So are you ready? Yeah, hold on. I forgot to put in the crystals. Okay, turn it on. Me like three hours to finish the shading on your upper lip. I'm Eric, and that's probably the best uh, intro you've ever done, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Cam, welcoming you to the podcast where we go back in time and look at the pop culture of our youth through the lens of adulthood. It's not about good or bad; it's about then and now. As we try our best to answer the question, "What the heck do you think we were watching?" Gosh. <laughs> yes that is the perfect intro for episode 191 napoleon dynamite and sweet you know listeners only want guests who have great skills podcasting skills pitching skills japanese title skills (laughs) so we're lucky that we have today's guest a freaking sweet friend of ours it's jack stovold bow to your sensei Bow to your sensei. <laughs> I definitely bow to you in terms of uh, quoting ability. Yes. And if there's any movie for it, it's this movie. <laughs> this is the one. This is in full Simpsons territory for me in terms of quotability. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The whole movie's right in here, pretty much. Yeah. I, I said it before we started, but uh, I think every single line of this movie is quotable. <laughs> yeah. It's like the the script is so... Just firing at all times. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> According to Diedrich Bader, one of the two best scripts he's ever read. So. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. It's awesome. Amazing. <laughs> it's been a while since we had you on, Jack. Was it Jurassic Park was the last one? Uh, maybe. Or or was it um, Batman? It's one of those. Series. I think it might be one. Batman, actually. Yeah. yeah. It's good to be back, though. It's freaking sweet. <laughs> to back. It's been like forever. Gosh. <laughs> well, it's great to have you. And uh I can tell that we're gonna be friends. So <laughs> let's get to it. Let's just start talking about Napoleon Dynamite, which was released on June eleventh, two thousand four, directed by Jared Hess, written by Jared and Drusha Hess, and stars John Heater, John Grease, Aaron Ruel. Efren Ramirez, Tina Majorino, Haley Duff, and Diedrich Bader, the aforementioned. Who is Diedrich Bader? He is Rex Quando. Yeah. Oh, okay. His eight-week program. <laughs> Think I got to the top by just like Peter Pan over here? <laughs> <laughs> that one makes me laugh every time. Yeah. <laughs> the Peter Pan quote. Especially, well, because it's, it's also the reaction shot when you realize, yeah. oh, he's just going to make that same facial expression the entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But J- Jack, yeah. since we have you here, can you please let us know? Inquiring minds want to know what the Japanese title of Napoleon oh. Dynamite is. Okay, right away. Let's just, let's get it let's get it on record. Uh, so in Japan, Napoleon Dynamite was known as 
バス男<笑> What does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean? <笑>バスマン。バス、バス、like BUS? Yeah, because he rides a school bus. Nice.、Um, there's a reason for this. It is basically piggybacking off the success of a Japanese franchise that was taking the nation by storm in 2004 called Densha Otoko. Means train man. No, no relation to the classic Matrix Revolution character. <laughs> <laughs> But,、um, <laughs> Bruce Spence, right? <laughs> yes, Bruce Spence,、yeah. the、yeah. man. <laughs> so, Train Man was like this big thing in 2004. It was based on this、uh, message thread on Nichan, 2chan, you know, the progenitor of 4chan.、So、oh, God. We're going way、job. back. Yeah. yeah, it's a famous Japanese message board forum where this,、uh, this guy. No one knows if it's true or not. It's probably quasi true, but he, he was on a train and there was like these four women getting harassed by like this drunk guy on the train. And he's like a total nerd, total otaku. But he like stood up to the drunk guy and like told them to stop bothering him. And then one of the girls was so happy. She said like, I want your dress. I can send you a gift and gratitude. And then. You know, he's like a virgin nerd, loser, nice guy, Akihabara type. And so he was on Nichan, like asking all his friends online, like, what do I do? She gave me this really expensive gift that indicates more than just gratitude. Like,、mm. so help me be like a successful <laughs> dater. <laughs> so this was adapted into like a novel and then like <laughs> four different. Manga series and it was also became a live action TV show.、Oh. So it was like, it was huge this year. And so they named this movie Bus Man and it's like <laughs> in the same font and everything just to like, hey, it's like Train Man, even though it's nothing at all like it. But <laughs> and now it makes no sense at all. Yeah. Because that, that was just a thing in 2004. It's that classic comedy, Bus Man. Yeah, man. <laughs> I'm into this idea of the internet being the Cyrano de Bergerac of this man's life. <laughs> what, a, what, a modern, what a modern spin on that tale. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Napoleon, yeah, Napoleon Dynamite is pretty much the opposite. He has too much confidence, he has lots of unearned confidence. Yeah, every,、uh, everyone in this film is very comfortable with who they are.、So. Yeah. But before we get too far into our discussion, Let's remind our listeners,、uh, let's take them back to the summer of 2004 when the Sundance phenomenon, Napoleon Dynamite, <laughs> hit theaters. So, Cam, would you please give us a recap? How do you recap this? Is it- It's either a blow by blow or it's like two sentences because、yeah. nothing really happens. <laughs> I was going to say, this movie is largely plotless, <laughs>、yeah. but I'll do my best because it's all about the characters. Yeah.、Uh, Napoleon Dynamite is an awkward high school student in a small Idaho town whose interests are doodling rare animals and mythological creatures, martial arts, and riding his bike off sweet jumps. <laughs> He and his equally awkward older brother, Kip, live with their grandmother, who injures herself in a quad bike accident, forcing Napoleon and Kip's <laughs> uncle Rico to come take care of them while she's in the hospital. 
Rico is obsessed with his glory days as a high school football star and ropes Kip into get-rich-quick schemes selling products door-to-door. Napoleon befriends a new transfer student, Pedro, as well as a shy artistic girl named Deb, who becomes a sort of love interest-ish. Yeah. Pedro then decides to run for class president against Summer, the popular girl. He doesn't generate much enthusiasm until he's unexpectedly forced to perform a skit for his campaign, in which Napoleon helps him out with a spontaneous dance routine to thunderous applause. Pedro ends up winning the election. Kip finally meets his online girlfriend, LaFonda, and plans to marry and move with her to Michigan. Rico reunites with a, an old girlfriend. Yeah, there's a rough patch between Napoleon and Deb, but they smooth it over. And they end up playing tetherball at the very end. And we do see the wedding of Kip and LaFonda at the, after the credits. And a post-credit sequence. Four years yes, before yeah. Iron before Man. Before Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty long sequence, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this was wow. uh, added after. It wasn't in the original version that they showed at the okay. Sundance or whatever. That's right. So it was like a DVD. No, no it, was, it, was in the, or, it was in theaters, but I think it, yeah. it got like such a good reaction at Sundance that they added it. For the theatrical yeah. release, it was getting yeah. This 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 is good. That, thank you, Cam. By the way, for that recap, that was hmm. very well done. All the important stuff. It's pretty much the best recap ever made. <laughs> <laughs> Cam's got like six recaps in his drawer. <laughs> uh, Recapping skills. Yeah. <laughs> you got like three minutes of recap that time. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, what Jack was saying about the the new scene ties in nicely to the next thing we should talk about which is the first time that we saw napoleon dynamite so um how about you jack do you remember the first time you saw it oh hell yeah this is uh one of my most memorable movie going experiences um i believe this was opening night at the regal cinemas in san marcus california usually our go-to because there was a while where escondido didn't really have a good movie theater yeah and yeah, I think this was opening night. Like, uh, I went with former guests, friends of the show, Sam Stovold, my brother, and Barm from your Shawshank Redemption episode. <laughs> and his girlfriend at the time, great gal, kind of a hipster. And so she had like her ear to the streets for these kind of hipstery. It was like, you know, there was buzz. It's like a hipstery Wes Anderson type of thing. I didn't know anything about it, but she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm hearing a lot of great things about this. We got to go see it. And we did. I think there might have been some other people too, but it was mainly, you know, the four of us. And yeah, we pretty much loved it right out of the gate. And I think I may have even seen it maybe another two times in the theaters after that, probably with Sam. And then uh, my parents, we might have even seen it with my parents. I'm not sure. But <laughs> once the DVD was out, that was an immediate purchase and it became in my house like the biggest Stovald family phenomenon since Austin Powers basically it was <laughs> it was on it was on all the time we had a bunch of merch there was a vote for Pedro t-shirt in the house we had a little Napoleon Dynamite statue so it was it was kind of like <laughs> what happened with Austin Powers all oh, over man. again for us yeah I love that about you. I love that about your family. Like if I had showed this movie to my parents, they would they would they would walk out in like five minutes. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> yeah, to this day we have like a seven inch like Napoleon Dynamite statue. It's still in the house in my parents' house with like a button you press and it has like ten phrases from the movie that just cycle through in order. 
and I irritate my mom every time I go back home by just pressing that over and over again. It's still in the kitchen. I'll have to look for that next time I'm there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's in there. Amazing. <laughs> my story is kind of eerily similar to yours, Jack, in, in many ways. It didn't come to our town until August of 2004. So this was a real like word of mouth, slow burn hit. For sure. Which, which are very few and far between in the 21st century. Yep. And I saw it. I, 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 yeah, I had been reading stuff on the internet because just that year I was like starting to get more like into film and like watching lots right. of movies, downloading them from Kazan shit and watching like all the recent stuff. But I had read about Napoleon Dynamite being this big sensation and I read about them filming the scene, you know, the post credit scene for the theatrical release. <laughs> and like, I just thought that was the coolest thing. Like, oh man, they like it so much, they're making more of it. So it's like the special editions all over. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure that was somewhere in the back of my mind. Like, this means pretty much the best post-credit sequence ever made. Yes, automatically a big deal if there's added footage. (laughs) So I went to the. um, I think it was a Regal by then. If not, it was no. It was a Hoyt Cinemas. Which, good luck finding any history on them. (laughs) They never heard of it. Yeah. It was a Hoyt Cinemas just like, you know, five minutes from my house, which the site of many movies I watched in high school. I went twice uh, and I took I was I was like an evangelist for this movie. I was like, you got to I was like, I have to make this work in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. (laughs) Like I I need I need people to see this. And I took my friends and the first time it was like kind of awkward because I made him stay like through the credits. And there's even, you know, like 30. How how could you walk out on when in Rome? Like, why would you do that? I know, right? (laughs) There's even like a 20 or 30 second break before that scene starts, like at the end of the credits. It really seems like the movie is over. Yeah. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just like very slowly inching down like the, the exit way. And my friend's like, what are you doing? Like, come on. Like, no, just wait. We should see. There's supposed to be something. It's like, no, there isn't. And then it came on. It's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Two months later. And I felt so powerful. I was like, I was right. <laughs> the legends are true. Yes. And like you, Jack, it was immediate purchase. The day it came out, I went to Blockbuster on DVD and got the DVD, paid like $25 for it. <laughs> pretty, su- pretty sure we were like waiting. Like, yeah, I think I might have. I was, yeah, I was probably working at Sam Goody at this point. So I knew like the release schedules nice. for every upcoming album and movie. So I was like, I was counting down the days. Yeah. <laughs> This is pretty much the best video ever made. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Cam, how about you? So I did not catch this in theaters, but I did catch it on DVD. I want to say my brother bought it. I don't know if he must have like brought it home because he wouldn't have been living at home unless he came home for the summer. But I, I feel like I watched this like towards the end of my senior year of high school. It definitely had to have been like second semester because it came out in like late December, I think, on DVD, 2004. Sounds right. So... I heavily associate this movie with like the end of high school for me. And it w- it was definitely a rewatch multiple times that summer like leading into college. And yeah. That's my story. And the rest is pretty much the history. best story I've ever told. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Right. On. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I just devoured that DVD too. Like when I got it, I watched all like the commentary and the short film Peluca. Pelu- Paluka. Yeah, it's weird. I don't remember watching any of those features. I don't remember the commentary, and I only saw Paluka for the first time today. Oh, okay. It's very odd. 
I meant to watch that in preparation, but I forgot to do that. <laughs> and I'm kicking myself because I really wanted to. You know, it's a proof of concept. It's if Napoleon Dynamite yeah. took place at a convenience store and was like eight minutes long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Black and white. Yeah. <laughs> and his name was Seth. Seth. <laughs> <laughs> and Pedro's two people. But you, I, I feel the similar film, similar way, Cam, about it being like the a last year of high school movie because that's when everyone started yeah. quoting it. I went to a yeah. I went to a model UN conference that year and everyone was <laughs> talking about it in between the Security Council breaks. Yeah, <laughs> and we had um, what was kind of like a male pageant at our school for some reason. <laughs> I don't know if it's something we just did our senior year or if this was a, some sort of tradition that continued, but it was the Mr. Saucon Valley pageant. And please tell me you did the Jamiroquai dance. I did not. I was not a I was not a contestant, but someone else did for their talent portion. Amazing. They they had a vote for Pedro Shirt. They just did an approximation of that dance. <laughs> Eric, you just said if you vote for me, all your wildest dreams will come through. <laughs> I should have. I should have started talking about the Saints, which was a good one to guard the hallway. (laughs) You should have just built them a cake or something. (laughs) (laughs) I thought of that just earlier today when I was chatting in reference to a friend's birthday. And I'm like, I had to to hold back on texting. Maybe we should build him a cake or something. (laughs) Why? Why would you hold back? I wasn't sure how it would be received. And also I didn't I also didn't mean to imply that we should make it. I did not want to put that to the universe. Just listen to your heart. It's what I do. Listen, no one thinks I'm a failure because I go home to Starlet at night, okay? I don't I certainly don't want a roundhouse kick to the face while you're wearing those bad boys. <laughs> I love, Why did I get the feeling this is yeah, what this episode I know, it's becomes? Such a formless discussion. <laughs> We're just gonna like mad libs the entire script of Napoleon Dynamite, and guests or listeners can like piece it together. Sweet. Well, on the on the topic of kind of this marking the end of high school for us, I think it also marked a shift in culture in the mid two thousands into the hipster culture of irony. Yeah, for sure. This was a big part of it. I feel like. Yeah. If if not a big cause of it, it, it at least like it was on the vanguard time capsule. Yeah, it, it's a time capsule that captures the the shift. Yeah. It it very much keeps its characters at arm's length and it it lets them be caricatures without really ever making them characters <laughs> uh that you get to know or care about. I mean, they're great. We love them. Yeah, but they're, they're not we fully laugh at them. They're not fully human. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that about it. Yeah. Yeah, just like the aesthetics and everything, the colors, you know, this very like 70s, 80s vibe with the Yeah. and all the the trappings, trappings like trapper keepers. Exactly. And it's kind of it's kind of evoking those things mockingly. It's like, look how Look how dumb the 80s looked, you know, <laughs> kind of appropriating the worst of. Even though it is contemporary. So that that's a weird thing yeah. about the film. Is yeah, that yeah. It's just like whenever I'm always surprised when like Uncle Rico has a cell phone. Like, <laughs> yeah. like or, oh, OK, this is 2004. Or the, the yeah. opening title sequence that very clearly you know shows on Napoleon's school ID that it is 2004, <laughs> which was apparently requested by the studio. 
they they that whole opening title sequence with the plates of food was also added later like after sundance hmm. oh really yeah okay and you know they kept asking him the director jared has to put in some sort of acknowledgement that this does take place in the present day huh. i don't why is that important i don't understand that at <laughs> <Yeah>. all <laughs> well I, I mean i feel like it i think uncle rico's obsession with his past is you know it's a through line he brings it up like three times three separate times um you also have the song forever young during the the dance mm-hmm. so time i feel like that, that's time a, after that's time a f- yeah time after time i feel like the the movie's definitely like saying something about nostalgia or at least like marinating in nostalgia for some reason well and that, i think that's interesting and worth talking about yeah well, the the explanation I've always heard, you know, again from the filmmakers, that the while an exaggeration, these kind of places do exist in America. Like when mm-hmm. he remembers growing up, and like they were, everything's a little bit behind the times in a small town. Yeah, right. That's like, exactly the styles yeah. and the trends take a longer time to reach them, or and like people just have less money too. Like they're they're not upgrading from their VHS player right away. Yep. That's something about the film that really spoke to me too, especially the first time I saw it. It's like this is a place I recognize. So like the the detachment is there, but I, I like, I never viewed this film as fully ironic. I'm like, these people Mm -hmm. are, are kind of chronicling a very specific way of life in a, in a humorous exaggerated way. Yeah. That's so like you said, it was on the vanguard of this, you know, irony movement, but the film itself is not mean spirited at all. It's very, sweet and it doesn't mock yeah i mean it it comes from it comes from a place of sincerity it's like yeah yeah Yeah. i think when when napoleon says that line just listen to your heart that's what i do i believe him yeah and it is a sweet moment and you said it earlier these characters are all very true to themselves and comfortable with who they are individuals they're not trying to be someone they're not i don't know it is it is ultimately very endearing yeah, there's no angst. Yeah. I mean, I guess in terms of pathos, I guess Uncle Rico is the closest candidate. He's Yeah. You get the feeling that he's a very sad man, but it's not really there. Yeah. To see, we just it's implied. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's some darkness with him. I feel like kind of end of or yeah, later latter half of act 2, he sort of becomes more menacing and more of an antagonist especially with his sales pitch and and the the boob enlargement thing <laughs> yeah um he's got he's almost predatory and there there are scenes where it's like it seems like he's about to like yes. make a pass at these like underage girls or but it always ends up being like a sales pitch instead <laughs> yeah yes that that tension is one of the things i remember the most first when i first watched it because you know this movie is so sweet and not like it's kind of unique in that way. It's very good hearted. So that moment, like when it first looks like he's going to start hitting on Deb or like, you know, undressing himself, I always felt like, Oh no, no, don't Napoleon dynamite. Don't be like this. Don't be that kind of movie. <laughs> and it draws back like pretty immediately. Like, like, Oh yeah. thank God. Yeah. It's just yeah. still just a clueless guy with this dumb get rich scheme, which is yeah. skeezier than the Tupperware, but he, he is not skeezy. He is only it's Inept. framed to yeah. make you think like that, but he's yeah. not. He's still just clueless doof. Merely inept. Yeah. 
and I, I love that like that like finger wag he gives at the end when he's telling Deb, you know, it's like, give me a call. And when just you feel like, you're ready. When you feel you're ready, and then it's just that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> he feels he feels so good about that one. He doesn't care that the, the if the client sees. Like, mm. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen this so many times. I almost forget. Like when I was watching it yesterday, taking notes, like how like the you know the Tupperware thing. The first time you see it, it's <laughs> framed where it's supposed to be. You're supposed to think it's something very illicit or illegal they don't you don't it doesn't immediately reveal that it's tupperware until he's on his first sales pitch and you're like oh it's he's just selling tupperware let's find somewhere a little more private that whole scene the first scene where he's selling the tupperware to me is like a movement of a symphony i just like this is one of my favorite vignettes in the entire film between the gift the couple yeah like the the, yes the gift it's like i want that yeah so as i was watching this Yesterday and this morning. I think that is literally my favorite sequence in the whole film. <laughs> yeah. That's one of many quotes in this that has just embedded itself into my daily life. Like <laughs> yep. when it, I, I can't to the point where it's a, you know, it's a common phrase in English, but I can't not say it that way. Yep. <laughs> it's just, I want that. <laughs> I want that. <laughs> That's so funny to me. And then <laughs> also just can't. Yeah, he's like trying to rip it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Can't. Can't. Masculinity destroyed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> one of my favorite laughs, like one of the heartiest laughs I from me in this movie is <laughs> when he gets Kip to try to like test the endurance by like running over yes, the van. Yeah, yeah that's, that's part of the <laughs> same like, sequence. Yeah. That's a, yeah. that's a great button. Dang it! It just, <laughs> it just immediately explodes and keeps like, dang it! And he just drives away in shame. <laughs> um, I don't know if this is true or not, but I believe I read that that was not planned. They didn't know that it was going to explode, and so that that just happened, and that like that whole that thing was basically ad-libbed like it's just like dang it drove away <laughs> it's incredible yeah. i love the way that like also napoleon just like runs away from different from scenes like at the end of scenes yeah. <laughs> like he'll just like he shuts his locker and just runs away down the hall kind of yeah, I mean, hunched over yeah yeah forget man yeah, arms not moving that's yeah. uh yeah forget the naruto run that's the run yeah. that i want everyone yeah. to be the napoleon run <laughs> In the moment, man. John Heater is <laughs> the performance is so good. Like, <laughs> just the the dumb face he makes the whole movie, mm -hmm. the the open mouth, the like half shut eyes, <laughs> <laughs> the hunched over like posture, leaning forward, all uh, gangly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This movie would be. I mean, there's so many other great characters, but he carries it. it would be yeah. nothing without the way he looks. He's just like yeah. so. <laughs> weird looking with the the perm and the aviator glasses the wireframe yep. <laughs> that mouth and this is like what your mother's talking about like when she says if you keep making that face it's gonna freeze like that <laughs> like it's so jarring at the end of the movie when he almost like smiles and you're like oh he actually is capable of moving his face <laughs> I like the close-up of the mouth when he's, like, testing the milk. <laughs> I I like it the this most. This one tastes like the cow got into an onion patch. 
<laughs> the defect in this one that is, is correct. Yes. <laughs> to me, to me, the face uh, is the the magnum opus moment for the face is Uncle Rico coming home like after yes. <laughs> after he's after the Wish Napoleon's you wouldn't look locker. at me like that, Napoleon. Yeah. <laughs> just like that dead eyed stare. <laughs> Wish you'd get out of our life and shut up. <laughs> Oh yeah, the framing of that shot is like yeah. probably the closest we get to him. I mean, outside of the extreme, yeah, close up of the mouth, right? Like you can see his eyes. You can see his face the most, <laughs> yeah. And it's just that like affected, too cool for school, like blank stare. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's also a big part of why this is one of my favorite high school movies ever. Like this is this is the this is the greatest teen film yeah. of all time. <laughs> I feel like you know it's just so special because it does a complete 180 on the formula what without like trying to to draw attention to the fact that like we're a parody or we're being different it actually captures like this real sense of awkwardness and mortification and just truly the slack-jawed boredom of being in yes. high school it's like forget mm-hmm. like ferris bueller is fun to watch but high school is never like that like no that, no it is like this Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> yeah this is it's like what they say about war Yes, Napoleon Dime. It's just uh, you know moments of terror, or just endless stretches of boredom punctuated by moments of sheer terror. One hundred percent. Like just like being forced to like sit in class while like some presentation goes on in front of you from a like a yep. club. Like they're making their pitch to you. Like come join the Happy Hands Club. Let's do a thing. <laughs> oh man, another great performance is. I forget the jock character's name. Don. Don. Boyfriend. Yeah. Don. Oh. I love Don so much. Favorites. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just, just like dismissive of every everything. But it's like this. Laughing. It's this overly expressive faux dismissiveness. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, he's clearly trying to lead the crowd. Like, <laughs> yeah. Look at these guys. So I have to overdo it. Like, right? Yeah. Am I right? Right. <laughs> yeah there's so many things like that and uncle rico mm-hmm. moments where i see parts of myself that i don't like <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's a very instructive film in that way it's true <laughs> I, I i have those moments with napoleon it personally mm. <laughs> hell yeah i think that um another thing that rings really true is the brotherly dynamic with kit <laughs> yes uh, just the arguments, the fights, yes. the just like, do this thing for me. No, do it yourself. <laughs> It'd be really nice if you could pull like, me into town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the rollerblade toe is one of my favorites. The rollerblades. <laughs> Kip was always my favorite like okay. person to quote. Kip's fantastic. Back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I still think about quotes of his like to this day. It's like that's pretty cool, I guess. <laughs> like, well, do you have like, a car I, I or anything? Incorporate that. <laughs> Whenever, like, well, a, what's the problem right now? <laughs> right now, nothing comes to mind. <laughs> I'm just kind of to'd because she hasn't sent me a full body. <laughs> I know, I love, love to'd. Like, as a tick is vulgar yeah. to say, but she does say pissed later in the movie. Yeah. Movie too. Like, grandma. Yeah, Grandma gets kind of pissed about it sometimes. <laughs> I bet she does. I'd be throwing you out the window. That's a quote I say all the time too. I'd be throwing you out the window. Nice. Whenever there's like a, you know, IT problem, I love singing sarcastically. Yes, I love technology. 
Not as much as you, you see. <laughs> I mean, I don't even think about it anymore, but that quote is such a part of a soul, my soul that I've interpolated it for a jingle on my podcast, Jack Silly Little Friendly Neighborhood Star Trek Discovery Short Treks Picard and Lower Decks podcast. And you it's a long can, name. You'll, it's a long name, but I'm doing a great job. But you you hear that in every episode in the Fungi Babble nice. jingle. Awesome. I still love my college <laughs> always and forever <laughs> but yeah we're talking about seeing yourselves in the characters so like I, th- I think the reason i connected with this movie so much instantaneously is the speech style i mean it's it's particular it runs in the dynamite family it's <laughs> both very different ways but kip and napoleon both speak in that way and it's that brotherly dynamic and it's just it's a very like kids in the early nineties way of talking like you're this like constantly like faux exasperation and like yeah. mm-hmm. frustration that everyone's like not as smart as you. And <laughs> yeah. like, God, nobody says duh in this movie, but it's totally that thing. Like, yeah, yeah I'm bringing it tomorrow. Duh. Like, <laughs> God, duh everyone's so stupid except me. God. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like it until this, like that, you never really saw that in movies. Like people don't talk like that, but this from the get go, when he gets on the bus, I'm just like, do whatever I feel like I want to do. God, <laughs> that, that was the moment where I was like, whoa, someone talking like this in a movie. Like I've never seen that. Like, oh yeah, especially a teen hyper, movie. You yeah, know? it's hyper. It's that's also the, the fun thing about this is like the way they talk and their attitude is elementary school. Like yeah. we, we pretty much stopped doing this by the time we were in high school but <laughs> but everyone in this movie is stunted yeah and yeah. <laughs> living in the past yes i think one of my favorite quotes is how was school today worst day of my life what do you think <laughs> god grandma you idiot what are we gonna eat <laughs> get off napoleon make yourself a dang quesadilla <laughs> dang quesadilla <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is like a, a hyper reality. There's something like in, inside. It calls to something inside of ourselves that we never yes. fully let go of, but we know not to act like. And, exactly. and the char- that's what makes the character so fun. He just obliterates that mold. Like he has no respect and no patience for social nicety. He just like, <laughs> tells it like it is. Overconfident hyper imaginative just like i am i am just barfing my perspective over the entire world right now mm-hmm. <laughs> yes and it's it's not only you know that cadence but it's also the kinds of uh the phrasing that elementary school students use like using you know infinity as a quantifier <laughs> yeah. like that that was another <laughs> moment where it was just like yes when he he says already made an affinity of those at scout camp and it's just yes that's how we talked mm-hmm. everything was infinity infinity plus yeah. one Every, everything's the best or the worst thing in the world yeah. which yeah. which is still true to this day on the internet oh my god yeah that's, that's true <laughs> another thing that rings true to yeah my elementary school self is napoleon's obsession with like ninja turtle weapons yeah, <laughs> like, sure yeah the bow staff. Dang. He, picks the, he, he finds picks the, up the side in the thrift. That's like nunchucks in his course. locker. Yeah. <laughs> Can't put my nunchucks in my locker. Bow staff. 
mispronounced nunchucks too. Yeah, nunchucks. So <laughs> Great choice. Perfect choice. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of it's a, it's the little things too, like yeah. that crack me up the most. Like sweet uh, jumps. Yeah, yeah, sweet jumps. Or like when Deb writes the note to Pedro, but he has to like turn it upside down because she that fucking cracks <laughs> so he me. Folded up it yeah, so. in a different way. <laughs> yeah. The obsession with cryptozoology also brings me back yes, to those yes. elementary school yes. days. <laughs> like as soon as like he gives he, the movie had me when I when he started launching into that monologue about the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> a group of local wizards, you know. <laughs> Our underwater ally. <laughs> the Pegasus crossing sign mm-hmm. yes. on his door, his bedroom door. Yeah. Dragon Slayer poster and said, "What's the um so he gets the dance video. Yeah, Dequan's dance group. Dequan. Yeah. And then he and then he goes into his room to watch it, and we just see the door like yep. and half open, and enough. the Pegasus crossing sign. I forget what they say in the video. It's like, "Do you want to do this? Are like, you yes. ready? To, are you ready to get into the groove? Yes, yes. <laughs> or are you? Are I you love that he answers. I, that's, but we don't see him. He's like behind yeah, the door. Yeah, you just see his arm. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And then you see the wild gyrations through that crack in the door. <laughs> yeah, that also just saying yes in that way is like that's part of my vocabulary now. Totally. Yes, yes. <laughs> out of frame. The, the out of frame is the funniest part for me. Yeah, or just the way he looks. Like certain shots, I love the compositions of the shots of this movie. Or yeah. like when. Uncle Rico has to finalize the sale in five minutes. <laughs> and, like, it just shows him, like, sitting in the car, motionless, that expression on his face, just looking at nothing. And it just cracks me up every time. <laughs> <laughs> so weird looking. Anything framed against, like, the mountains, just kind of like how they really emphasize mm. the vast of nothingness that surrounds them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a beautiful movie, yep. too, just this wilderness yeah. around them. Like, uh, I also particularly I like when in the the most dramatic arc of the movie, when Deb calls him <laughs> from a payphone, like just in the middle of this vast wilderness yep. inside of the world. <laughs> yeah, that one gets me, too. I love it. I love the, the opening credits are amazing. Yeah. Beautiful. Yep. Yeah, that right right from the beginning, the aesthetic is on point. Like the colors, yeah. the textures, and the foods, it's like very yeah. confident. Which is why I'm surprised yeah. to hear that it was a late edition because it, mm. it's one of my favorite opening credit sequences in a movie because it, it's amazing, it's yeah. amazing, it's perfect. Gives you the, yeah, gives you the feel of what's like, and it's reveals so much character, so much of the setting. Yeah, yeah, and, and I didn't realize until I think like today that like each food they put out with the cast member's name is like something they eat yeah. in the movie yeah. that's so cool <laughs> nice so this comparison was definitely made when it came out but it feels very wes anderson to me mm-hmm. but, but it, almost like a aesthetic yeah almost <laughs> like a parody though like a yeah. parody of wes anderson style because it's not picture perfect and it, it's a similar style it's a similar type of twee but yeah, the yeah. references are completely Na- different. Yeah. Yeah. And and Napoleon's much more like Midwest normal people, real people mm-hmm. in all their like awkwardness, yeah, behind no, the timesness, like no, nobody is clever in this movie, like a yeah. Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> it is yeah, I, I remember thinking about it like it being Wes Anderson in middle America. That's 
mm-hmm. kind yeah. of the aesthetic it's going for. Flyover state, yeah. yeah. And it's wholesome. Like, it's wholesome and, like we've said, very comfortable yeah. with what it is. The, like, elevator music score. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> I love the scores and John Sweetheart for the win. And a dope soundtrack, too. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like, I think that was another reason why the movie was on my radar back in 2004, because there was a Jamiroquai song in it. And I'm like, there's no one ever talks about Jamiroquai. Like, <laughs> and of course, it's these people. Like, of course. Yeah, these are my people. This this is my first exposure to Jamiroquai oh, was this God. movie. And Alphaville and When in Rome. Damn. Like three great songs. Yeah. I just remember that Canned Heat. Uh, you know, I was the kind of I had that album when it came out in 1999. I was like so stoked on it. it's like people haven't forgotten. And I even like submitted a news item to one of my the one of the Jamiroquai fan sites I frequented in those days. Just like, hey, just so you know, this movie's getting big in America, and there's a <laughs> this is like the it pretty much turns like the the climax of it is a is this Jamiroquai song. Like, oh. Like that's that, and the the response I got from the moderator was like, "I think that just qualifies as newsworthy," <laughs> and they, they put a little you made it about it. Yeah, I'm like this movie, man, it's it's taken the country by storm. And then it made me think, like, does this film even translate to other countries and cultures? That's yeah, that's it translates into bus man. Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think this so probably is a, not. <laughs> this is a very like american movie mm-hmm. i don't think it yeah. really despite it being bus man and you can find it in the video store there i don't think it's it's definitely not on the radar in <laughs> japan at all in any way there are no vote for pedro shirts in japan <laughs> no you don't see those. <laughs> I, I did have a friend um from korea he was my roommate in prague shout out to sungwon who Ooh. always quoted napoleon dynamite like he he like incorporated it into just his humor like he would he would always say lucky (laughs) (laughs) i feel like it's it's you know for someone who wants to get into america or you know practice their english it's a good crash course yeah Yeah. (laughs) stay home and eat all this is america yeah yeah that that line to stay home and eat all freaking chips chip (laughs) oh speaking of chips i i love that like Tots and chips are like currency yes. <laughs> in this movie. It's Idaho, man. It's, it's Idaho, yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, I think his name is Randy. You only hear his name oh, once the bully. in the movie. Yeah. But, yeah, like low status bully. Yeah. He's not popular or anything. He's a schlub. Yeah, we all knew kids like this. He's not popular or right. cool, but he's still a bully and he just wears like, you know, this drab beige shirt and mm-hmm. jeans. Oh, yeah. Wardrobe <laughs> and, on point. Yeah, exactly. And he doesn't. I don't know. He's not like trying to be popular. He's just, and he's not really trying to be a bully. Well, I mean, he is, but like he'll try other methods first. Like he'll ask for tots before he tries to take them. And like, let me, let me borrow your bike and I'll give you some chips. Mono, I'll give you some chips. <laughs> There's a little bit of bargaining. He has, he has some yeah, standards. Yeah. Yeah. He gives people a chance. Yeah, I'll try diplomatic methods first and then, before I... And then he just ruins everything. Randy, he's a good example. One of my favorite examples of like what I think this movie has, which is not a common reality, but a very specific reality. The mm-hmm. short scene we see of him just wrenching the neck of his, the geek in the red turtleneck and red shorts and like slamming him hard against that locker i'm like this is real this is not like in a in a in a kind of normal mainstream teen movie that scene is more just like a verbal confrontation 
Right. And it ends with just some kind of like, you know, zinger and a guy right. and a guy looking sad, you know. <laughs> but this is like something I might actually see in the hallway of high school. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and he's like not getting anything out of it. No. He's just being a dick. He's just being cruel. Just be like, yeah. He's like I'm I'm bigger than you, basically. That's that's all there is to it. That's another moment that just makes me laugh. It's yeah. like a cut that is just has nothing to do with anything of just Napoleon standing there and he just walks by and slams him into the locker yeah. <laughs> and that's it. There's like, it doesn't relate to the scene before or after that. It's just a little well, flavor put in there. That's well, that's when he says like Pedro <laughs> offers you his protection and gives him a lanyard. No, 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 not that. Oh, one. oh the, the, when he, when he's, he, he's, Napoleon, he just, yes. just, he just walks by and slams Napoleon oh, right, in the locker yes. and it has nothing to do with yeah. anything. And he, he gives like feeble <laughs> kick, like two seconds after he's walked away yeah. <laughs> into the yeah. air. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah, Absolutely. Jack. Yes, totally. It's just Napoleon's life. We're, we're being, when we're being introduced to him and how, <laughs> what his life is yeah. like. Yeah. Yeah. Random violence. Yep. You know, that's <laughs> high school for you. <laughs> Another thing I thought of this most recent time was, um, Cam, how we've talked about how a movie will often reveal its thesis in the first five minutes or so. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I got kind of sucked into that in the um, tenets of Rex Quando when when mm. he's telling him, like, this is what you're going to gain from my program. So the three things are, you know, always got to have someone watching your back at all. Someone watching your back at all times. We use the buddy system. <laughs> So like you got to you have to discipline your image, and that's why he's like, you think mm. <laughs> I want to <laughs> think I got to where I was by dressing like Peter Pan over here. Peter Pan here, <laughs> and that's when he gets the right? suit. And then uh, learning self respect is the third tenet of Rex Quando. And to the extent that this movie has an arc, and that Napoleon has an arc, I think I, I argue yeah. it's 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 him doing those three things. Like he he's listened to this speech realize that this guy is just kind of like a waste of time, but eventually <laughs> achieves it. Well, that was, like, a yeah. <laughs> that was a rip off. This was a rip off. <laughs> but yeah, the suit and yeah, he's like, so his, his, him and him gaining, I love how we hear him talking about like great skills early on. And then we actually see what his skills are. We see him learning new skills. The, there's the milk testing, mm. the political campaigning, yeah. the dancing, you know, it's, it's, he's, <laughs> he's taking all that to heart. Of course he has, you know, people watching his back. He becomes friends with Pedro and Deb and there's a lot of gaining self-respect by the end, mm-hmm. standing up to uncle Rico and supporting Pedro in his time of need. <laughs> yeah. He's a good guy. Yeah. I would, <laughs> I will say like that, that ending montage to that, um, penguin cafe orchestra song <laughs> often brings a tear to my eye for real when i when i watch dude, it dude <laughs> it does it does and then like when the end when when in rome starts coming in like oh this song is amazing and very touching that final scene is so beautiful like the the magic hour with the sprinklers going and everything yeah. it's like it's touching it makes me feel good it, about totally. life like things will be okay i can I can be me and it'll work out. Yes. Still. Yeah. It's moving in this way, in a way that this only this movie can be and has spent 90 minutes like preparing you for. Like yeah. right at the end, the, by the, the way. For the tiniest little yeah. incremental change is like so moving. And like, by the way, we, we like, you know, this was silly, fun, but it was also real. It was also something very real in your heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the older and more sentimental I get, the more at the end I'm like, oh. 
I'm sorry, but I can't again. think of all the right words to the say. The right thing to say. <laughs> God, I, love, I want to sing that in karaoke so bad. Mm. I can't find that anywhere. Just that. It's a rarity. To, to pronounce those those long A's like that. <laughs> um, but uh, also, just by sheer coincidence, um, two days ago, I happened to watch The Founder, like the Ray Kroc mm-hmm. biopic. Michael Keaton, McDonald's movie. Yep. And, um, mm-hmm. they use that Penguin Cafe orchestra in the, in that movie too. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, I'm going to do Napoleon Dynamite in two days. Like, what you, nice. the founder, what you can't, Mm-mm. this is the, how is the Napoleon Dynamite song in this? And like, I didn't know, I knew it wasn't John Sweetheart because it's not on the soundtrack, which I have and I've listened to many times, which has, um, they couldn't license time after time, so they have like a cover version on there. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's like the scene in the founder when the McDonald's brothers are having the chalk outline of the speedy system kitchen, and they have all their oh, employees like practicing. Okay, and I was like, "How? What? That's the Napoleon Dynamite song. What are you doing?" <laughs> you thought I wouldn't and, notice, did you? The founder. Yeah, <laughs> it's only it's only now that I realized that it was a a pre-existing song penguin cafe orchestra music for a found harmonium yeah i guess it's in several movies apparently yeah i could see why yeah it's a great song <laughs> there's just also just a lot of great flavor music you know the a-team theme when they're putting up the cam- <laughs> campaign posters the 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 happy hand both happy hands performances the rose and larger than life yep. incredible yeah the rose <laughs> that was also how i became familiar yeah. With that song, that was I think the first time I heard it. And, <laughs> Butterfly. Yes, and, to, and I associate it so strongly with this movie that um, on Eminem's pretty bad 2017 album revival, one of the two good songs on that album heavily samples that, and like, oh my, it's a very, it's very like emotional Eminem, but like I can't. It just makes me laugh because I just think of Napoleon Dynamite when I listen to it. <laughs> Even though it's this song about him dying and his daughter being born. Something. <laughs> you just think of Napoleon Dynamite making a butterfly with his hands. I am. That's all. <laughs> Sorry, Bette Midler, but that's all I can think about when I hear it. You don't think about Janis Joplin passing away? You think about nope. the Happy Hands Club? I think about the Happy Hands Club. You are going to the dance with that boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh trisha's mom i love trisha too just uh <laughs> sitting in the in the car with pedro's yes. cousins you pedro's the cousins front seat the hookups. Like, hookups what is that in my driveway <laughs> it's my ride <laughs> i love the cuts too like it's like the the two pedro's cousins like in the front seat napoleon in the back <laughs> and then they get to her house and they pick her up and then it's like her in the front seat and one of the brother, one of the cousins in the back seat. It's like, oh, that's polite of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lady, ladies in the front. Yeah. <laughs> of course, we have the driver has to be one of the cousins. So Napoleon, you're in the back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one of my, one of my biggest belly laughs is still, you know, when that bully tries to come and take that kid's bike. In exchange oh for God, chips that's, <laughs> that's, they roll up and like, just like yeah. shake their heads <laughs> yep yeah that's that's a life-affirming moment it's so funny to yeah. me like yeah i also when i watched this movie it was just like so refreshing to see like you know this mexican character and this mexican subculture mm-hmm. like portrayed 
so wholesomely. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, they're, they're still badasses, but, you know, they're just around protecting nerds like their nerdy cousin yeah. <laughs> and his nerdy friends yeah. for his dumb presidential campaign. His sister, too, I love her so much, like, <laughs> total cholo, like, just with the jeans, with a beer, sitting on the couch, mm-hmm. and then... Her name is Napoleon? Yeah. <laughs> 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 bueno. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so I have a I have a theory that um maybe I'm remembering wrong, but I don't think Napoleon Dynamite quoting ever overstayed its welcome. Mm. Uh the way that like Austin Powers might have or Borat might have. And it, I feel like it's maybe because Borat came pretty quick after napoleon that it took over and when, napoleon when, did, when was the first borat 2006 oh, five or six 2006. okay six. yeah just two okay. years later yeah so there's some there's some time there's enough time for napoleon to embed itself in our culture but i feel like borat was like quoted for longer that i don't know to me to me napoleon never like got old yeah is i in think the short of it. yeah i just feel like if it, it became so embedded that it was just natural like we didn't even it's like quoting simpsons you don't even think about it as a napoleon quote when you're saying it like things yeah. like are you serious like, <laughs> i I just I, was, I say that all the time too i don't even like it just comes out i don't even think of kip yeah. when i say it it's just yeah I was, and maybe maybe because like every line is quotable that it it's it's able to spread itself out and not be like yeah, baby. Like, that's the one. Mm-hmm. Line yeah, that... it's like, oh, listen to me. I'm quoting Austin Powers. It's like, you don't yeah. even realize you're quoting Napoleon. <laughs> right, right. Because <laughs> it's all about the cadence. It's not about the words. Yeah. It's about the delivery. Exactly. Yeah. I, uh, part of me also thinks that for all that, the, the for the phenomenon that Napoleon Dynamite was, the cultural penetration was still different. Like, Borat was a movie that made like $100 million and was nominated for Oscars. And I think as a, as a type mm. of humor, like kind of like outrageous and raunchy, yeah. it's yeah. a lot yeah. palatable to a lot more people than this very aggressively deadpan geek yeah. movie. The <laughs> like, right. point was popular, yeah. but it never was mainstream, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So it didn't get tired and old in that way. It's And it's still kind of like yeah. a cult phenomenon. Yeah, and I don't it, like, and unlike Borat, I don't think it was particularly like critically acclaimed right. either. <laughs> I, I mean, it seems like the consensus was like, yeah, it's kind of charming, but it's like not really much of a movie right. or anything. It's and just there were people who silly. outright hated it. They're just like, this is bad. You know? well, there's, there's still a lot of haters yeah. too. Like, you know, I get it. Like, it's a weird, dumb movie, but yeah. if it hits you right, man, it hits you, and I, I love it. Totally, I did. I did uh, make my girlfriend watch this with me. She had never seen it, oh, and man. she was she was That's very so... diplomatic. <laughs> <laughs> she saw how hard I was laughing at it. <laughs> I like that you like it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's like it's it's like an old shoe at this point. It's just very comfortable. Ah, love that bone dryness. Something that sneaks up on me every time, but is also one of my biggest laughs is after he's working at the chicken coop for a day just like everything yeah. about that like is totally that whole sequence yeah the whole is sequence amazing is 100 percent like memorable like <laughs> shitty summer jobs that everyone has when they're a teenager yes. yep yep the lunch is just, just a weird disgusting. like yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's that's another that, yeah that's another quote that i say that i don't even consciously remember is from napoleon but 
one I say all the time is like, I don't understand a word you just <laughs> said. <Yeah. laughs> I think large you can hear talons. <laughs> large. <laughs> I've probably said that. I don't, whenever someone says something like what? Yeah. You can probably <laughs> hear me saying, you could probably pull like, me saying that, like 10 clips of that from reopening the wormhole, probably. <laughs> I'm also reminded of um, Uncle Rico <laughs> when Kip's talking to him about like his online girlfriend and like not, she hasn't sent me a, a full body shot yet. The dead stare of Uncle Rico is <laughs> like, he just doesn't understand a word <laughs> yeah. Kip is saying. <laughs> just Cyber, like cyberspace. Presu- presumably, this like ladies' man who has no problem, you know, picking up women. Um, just like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Been, Uncle Rico's very analog. Like, you know, he yeah. probably doesn't even know how to turn a computer on, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's that, that old fashioned style of, yeah. of this, the world of this movie. Like, I don't have my checkbook on me. Hope you don't mind if I pay you in change. <laughs> pay you in change. <laughs> <laughs> and then Napoleon's counting it out. Oh, man. Six dollars. Stallers. Like a dollar, like a dollar an hour. hour. <laughs> that guy like pats his chest once and he's like, well, can't find my checkbook. <laughs> my checkbook it's, like, it's usually in my pocket. I don't know where it is now. It's in my farming overalls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, the Lyle. Oh, that's Lyle. his name too. Yeah. Yeah. It took me uh, over there. This house, Sean Harris. The creek bed. Yeah. <laughs> it, it it took me a shockingly long time to kind of realize that the scene where Lyle shoots the cow in front of the the bus of children, which is hilarious. I love that moment yes. too. Yeah. Hasn't like it has. It's not random. It has an antecedent. Like I realized when his grandma is talking about like we're out of hamburger or steak, but Lyle's coming over to take care of that tomorrow. Oh my god! I never made that. Connection. Yeah, that's what it is. Oh sweet, that's that's one of my favorite lines too. We're running low on steak, yeah. like because like we see in the movie, like that's all they do is just eat. Yeah, <laughs> steak like with nothing. Like we're not gonna have a meal. There's no vegetables plate, or any. It. It's just steak, steak. drowning in its own juice. You know. Like, mm. Yeah. <laughs> mm. That's one of my favorite scenes too. When like Napoleon approaches Uncle Rico, like I need a ride. So <laughs> yeah. I, I got a I got a sale to finalize in five minutes, and like five minutes, literally five minutes before the sale, he's like standing at the counter yeah <laughs> just eating a steak with like a jar of milk yeah. like just having my steak and milk i gotta get ready for the sale in five minutes like eating the steak as fast as he can <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. just take me with you and then drop me off afterwards and the rage <laughs> <He's>... <laughs> and then and then in the car we get a downbeat version of uncle rico's theme yep <laughs> i like how simple steak on a plate is like a poor thing and then it cycles back around to like fancy restaurants serving you just like a slab yeah. of meat on a plate and that's it <laughs> right it's like the full full circle yep yeah an ellipses, right? <laughs> it's, it's it's the same at the edges, like you know, extreme right, extreme left. They're more similar than they are different, yep. right? That yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> High class, low class. <laughs> Another thing that I like is is the invention of the word decroted. <laughs> yeah, what is that? <laughs> Why don't you go eat a decroted piece of crap? <laughs> 
I did look it up. That That's always been a mystery. Like, what is he saying? <laughs> According to Urban Dictionary, people online think it is a, a hybrid of decrepit and corroded. <laughs> decrepit <laughs> piece of crap. <laughs> It's it's like the heightened emotion, like he didn't he didn't yeah. quite articulate what he wanted to yeah. say and like I'm sorry, but I'm just thinking of the right words to say. Yeah. I know they didn't come out the way I wanted them to be. <laughs> that argument is up there, you know, with lots you know, anything in a Scorsese movie for me. Just like <laughs> it's like get off my property. <laughs> yeah, get off on my property. Yeah. Grandma says you need to go home because you ruin everyone's lives and eating all our steak. Eating all our steak. <laughs> <laughs> It's a free country. That's, that's, <laughs> that's another classic, like, just 90s line. Anytime anyone tells you to do anything, it's a free country. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. The, yeah. Call the cops on you. <laughs> well, then do, do it. Do it. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe I will. I will. Gosh. Gosh. That's another. Yeah. Maybe I will. Gosh. That's another daily quote. I like to how, like, after he does that, though, he goes in his, like, just you know, watching Rico from the window yeah, yeah. doing his football videos. <laughs> and right. I, in, in my mind, like kind of taking pity on him, be like, oh, this guy has got nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's also feels like a very real kid moment to say, like, I'm calling the cops. And then you go in and like, just call your best friend. Yeah. Instead. Like, Pedro, like, yeah, Deb pretty much hates me now. <laughs> Why? It's my Uncle Rico's a freaking idiot. That's why. Does she like fish? Caught you delicious bass. It's <laughs> one of the quotes on the, the little statue we have. Nice. Yeah, that one had a lot of staying power. <laughs> that was one a lot of the normies were repeating. <laughs> yeah, they don't know the deep cuts. <laughs> I'd do better on uh, foot anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Is there some kind of vest I can wear? <laughs> Some other characters we should talk about, though. LaFonda. Oh, yeah. We haven't <laughs> mentioned LaFonda like once yet. God. Yeah. She's she's something special. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just love how like sweet that relationship with Kip is. Yes. You think it's just going to be like a catfish for this sad, nerdy <laughs> dude. But it really is his soulmate. She's into yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. I, yes. Again, that's like one of the things I love about this movie. It introduces... These things where you think it's going to go down the path that every other movie does, and it doesn't. It's like, nope, everyone's everyone's cool. They're nice. They just they are who they are, and they like the people they like, yeah. and they there's no apologies about that. And for God knows what reason, Lafonda is into Kip, <laughs> and the Lafonda music is amazing. <laughs> it's a, it's it is one of the most sweetly romantic things I ever have seen. Their little park bench oh. or a park table sequence no no dialogue yeah, no sound wordless just all the these music. W- interactions are wordless <laughs> coming off the bus his, yeah <laughs> kept his shy mannerisms mm-hmm. and like i i cannot believe this is happening to me and <laughs> but also i'm a badass you know yeah. i'm training to be a cage fighter so like obviously she's in me <laughs> I like the footsie under the table where he like slips out of his shoe and like rubs her foot with his sock. Like so unsexy, but yeah, so so romantic. Yeah, works for them. Right. Yeah, 
And I like her scene with Napoleon where she's just like <laughs> sitting at the kitchen table and he's like, Who are you? Sweaty and like drinking Gatorade. He's like, what? Who are you? <laughs> the funniest thing is like he didn't notice her until that moment. Like <laughs> he walked into the room, clearly. Like, right. <laughs> who are you? Yeah, she's 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 a magical presence. I mean, and she's, she's the got a we... hell of a smile. Her sexy looks, uh, yeah, always winking too. Yeah, yes, and the, it's, her, it's her go-to move. Just removing the glasses and presenting him with the medallion oh. is so. <laughs> <laughs> you see, Kip become a man in that <laughs> moment, like when his yeah. his glasses are off for the first time, perhaps in his life. Yes. <laughs> He's just like, whoa, <laughs> what is this new? power that i feel surging through yes. me Lafonda <laughs> is the best thing that's ever happened to me <laughs> it's, it's true we'll wait for some prime rib <laughs> peace out yeah see that's a status moving up it's not just steak on a plate anymore now it's prime rib mm. there we go now watching this movie especially you know with the the kind of elementary school dialogue it just really it's charming in the way that it shows the more clumsy, transparent ways that, like, children seek status as, I mean, we all do it, but it's it's more elegant and covert as we get older, but the, with the way kids do it, like, and that's part of the, that speech style, like, oh, God, you don't know that, you idiot, like, <laughs> I'm all, I'm so much more above you, like, I've, and just making these ridiculous claims, like, like, there's a kid, when I was in fifth grade, you know, and we kind of talked like this too, but we also, you know, we're Californians. So we also had kind of like the Valley thing going on at the same time too, Valley girl mm. speech style. But I feel like even more like kids from the Midwest, like we had this transfer student who came in from like Detroit or something, this kid named Toby, and he could almost be a Napoleon dynamite character, <laughs> like tall, gawky, like bright red hair. And he had like pretty much, he had Napoleon glasses that were like taped up in the middle. And he just came in and he was like a sensation because he had all these like tall tales, like trying to raise his status by being like, I've got the inside hookup. My uncle works for like this, uh, you know, game shop, like Funko or something. And like <laughs> his friend is like a big wig at Nintendo. So like, you know, I have like all the Nintendo systems, all the Sega systems. He would always say these wild things like, I'm going to be like next week, I'm going to be bringing in like just a cart of Nintendos to school. And like, you, t you talk to me, it's first come first serve. Like you can get them for a nickel. <laughs> <laughs> and we were all just like, no way, he's full of shit, but we're all like, well, we're going to get our nickel ready, you know, just in case. Yeah. <laughs> like, and this kid would, like, draw, and he threatened me, because, like, he was threatening my status as, like, the drawer in the class. I'm the oh. artist. Mm. I'm I'm Napoleon. I'm the best at drawing, you know, beasts bred for their skills and magic. <laughs> <laughs> and he came in, and he was like, he had all these Sonic the Hedgehog manuals or something, and he would just trace the pictures oh. and they're like perfect and everyone's like whoa this is so cool and i'm like no they're not he's just tracing them <laughs> that's not real drawing he's just tracing it's fake it's a tracer he's a tracer he's not a real artist <laughs> it's like the chasing emmy exactly jokes <laughs> yeah so i don't it's just fun to see uh you know and it was it was high drama at the time like but just 
the charming way kids are like trying to yeah build their status and that's mm-hmm. that's what they do and that also taps into like my thoughts on uncle rico because man so many things uncle rico does made me uncomfortable because i'm like i see myself in this it's like this it was or you know i hope i'm better now i think i am but this kind of performative masculinity but it's not it's it's not like a toxic masculinity it's just a more irritating <laughs> masculinity like several like the uh well one of the things i love is the the kip uh rico restaurant scene where he just <laughs> keeps folding his arms and like trying to show off his arms and it's like, <laughs> i hate that because it's like uh, i do that sometimes too it's like these it's the only thing i got you know it's mostly flab but it's like i got big manly arms sure other things like uh like when he comes home looks like there's a lot you don't know about her talking about grandpa <laughs> yeah. like lording your status over someone by having like completely useless information that they don't have <laughs> she was on a date <laughs> just the way he like mocks napoleon in the store in front of other people oh yeah yeah uh, to humiliate others yeah yeah and it's it's a it's a it's a little different kind of status seeking like yeah loudly berating somebody by saying we can't afford that like usually you want to appear like you can afford anything but mm-hmm. this is a mm-hmm. taking a different tack like I'm thrifty. I have common sense. You don't. You dumb kids. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of getting a little Don on there. Like, like Don, like performative, like yeah. exasperation. Like, oh, can you believe this guy? <laughs> Told you the 12 pack. We're just going to have to mix and match. <laughs> Say it so the whole world can hear. <laughs> and he tells him to go get Pampers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His brother. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, and just things like where he says, like, I could do better on foot anyway. Like, just this idea that, like, mm. I don't need creature comforts because uh, I'm a man. Like, right? Look at me, I'm self sufficient. I don't, I don't need all this stuff. It's just very subtle, like dumb yeah. things like that that are just more irritating than anything when you hear them. Like, or, or when he's with Trisha's mom, he starts just like yes. talking about Napoleon, and like as he's like a father to him or something. He's a tender little guy. Right, right. Still wets the bed. <laughs> so I'm sensitive, but I'm also throwing yep. him under the bus. Right. right. <laughs> he's, a little, he's a little whistle. Hilarious wets the bed. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious to me. Uncle Rico's great. Yeah. We all know an Uncle Rico. Yeah, totally. Benjamin Linus's dad on Lost. Oh my God, that was... Oh that man. Fucking, when I made that connection, my mind was blown. That was like, <laughs> not quite, but almost to the same degree when I was like a kid. And I was like, the Joker is Mark Hamill? No <laughs> fucking way. Because yeah. I loved Lost. I'm, I'm a huge Lost fan. And then I think it was season three he came in. The first, like the first ben Benjamin flashback. Linus flashback episode. Yeah, and yeah, like. Yeah. I mean, technically, he comes in season two when you see his skeleton. But, uh, True. <laughs> but, like, I watched... It was a while until we realized he was Uncle Rico. And it's like, what? It's that haircut and that weird structured shirt that he's wearing throughout the whole movie. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I know that... What is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a bib <laughs> attached to a, a shirt that's, like, a, two sizes too small. 
Another favorite moment too is just him like putting a paper towel in as like a bib. <laughs> yep. <laughs> John Grease has had a really like interesting career because he was in all this stuff in the eighties. I don't know if you guys have seen Real Genius, but he's Mm-mm. Laszlo, the guy who lives underneath the school, and he's the Monster Squad. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then right. and then he now he pops up, you know, like like on Lost. He he's like on. A lot of TV dramas, he just pops up as in one episode guest spots. Yeah, it's funny in Lost too because, like, I think he's not that dissimilar to Uncle Rico. He's just like a very much darker Uncle Rico in that show, like <laughs> yeah, alcoholic, yeah. abusive asshole. Right. He and I mean, aside from Tina Majorino, he's kind of like the biggest star of in this film. <laughs> yeah, although Tina Majorino also could be called that. I think. I think Diedrich Bader. Is you know he's on Drew Carey. <laughs> yeah, they're all about the same level of fame. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then another character we haven't talked about too much: Summer Wheatley, played by yeah, yeah, ha- oh, yeah. Hillary, Hillary Duff's sister, Haley Duff. Yeah, Haley Duff, <laughs> who's perfect too. Um, much like Dawn, or a, a very like you know performative mean girlness. She's the only character who feels like she is living in 2004, which is perfect for like the hot popular girl that everyone wants yep. to be. <laughs> yep. Yes, she she also she feels very much like a lot of girls I knew in high school. Like mm-hmm. very real character. And like yeah, she's as much as this movie has an antagonist, she is the antagonist, but yep. again, not really. And like I felt much more antipathy to her when this movie came out, like watching it, and now there's a lot of distance and I'm a lot a lot older, so they're just like, Oh, they're all just kids. It's fine, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, she's just as clueless as the rest of them. <laughs> yeah, like they they don't even like she's inhabiting a different world that Napoleon yes. and Pedro they don't even care about that. Just, no. <laughs> she just like appears and as an obstacle for like yep. this one thing that they're trying to do because they want to date her. Like Pedro wants to ask her out <laughs> to the dance. <laughs> Is she hot? I love the rejection too. She like comes oh, over yeah. kind of like with like you know, seductive energy. Coquettish. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> and she like hands him the note and it's like Pedro with like a heart on it. <laughs> and then he opens it and it's like, no, three exclamation points with hearts like as yeah. the dot. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of that, a little bit of that high school popular girl yeah, meanness. Mean. Like, Just mean. How, like you, how dare you even try to ask me out? Like, yeah. so I'm going to toy with you a little bit, but drawing a heart on it. And then, uh, <laughs> Summer, do you want to play with me? <laughs> walks away. Yeah. <laughs> who? No tether, who? No tether ball. <laughs> or, or, or is it Trisha? Trish at the, yeah. at the dance? Just like, he's like, do you want to dance? And she's just like, oh. Yeah, it just walks away. Say anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, walks away. <laughs> who wants to eat chimney changas next year? Not me. I don't. I don't. <laughs> Cruel. Um, but I'm glad that you brought up the dance too, because that is another like kind of that's the emotional turning point of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always forget this is like only halfway through the movie. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. it feels like a climax, but then it does. That's just the beginning of Pedro's. It's like a first half campaign. climax. Yeah, it sets up yeah. everything else. And then, yeah, Pedro gets the idea to run for president. Napoleon and Deb are kind of starting their like sort of coupleness and. And it's also where Napoleon realizes, oh, these are my real friends. Like, yeah, like I don't need to focus on Trisha. Who cares? Yeah. 
I I also love him like swallowing his gum after he comes out of the bathroom because there's no way to put which is another kid thing to do. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. But I just love I love I just love that little emotional turn in the it's like the first hint that like this is going to be you know, we're going to have these kind of moments mm-hmm. um throughout the movie where you really feel for and identify for Napoleon. Yeah, and uh at the dance too, I always feel like um well, you know, you get emotionally manipulated because you have these amazing songs by Alphaville and Cindy Lauper mm-hmm. that are just doing the heavy lifting. But as they're dancing, and you know, like, Deb has been in the Napoleon the whole time, the whole movie. That's her thing. And their conversation is so dumb and perfunctory, but it's it's like the words don't matter. When you like someone, you just like them, yeah. and you don't know why. It's like she just really likes Napoleon, and it doesn't matter what he says. Like, do you, you want to come over? I can do a great glamour shot for you. <laughs> I like your okay. sleeves; <laughs> they're real big. <laughs> the the milk backhanded compliment. <laughs> yes. So you're drinking one percent fat because you think you're fat. <laughs> so you're totally not because you're not. <laughs> you could be drinking whole if you wanted to. <laughs> I think they overdo it a little in that scene with all the shit she has on her face. Yeah. It's like, one yeah. one piece is enough. You don't need to have it like all over her face. But. I think I think Jared has like he's interested in the grossness and and you see that to varying degrees in his other films. Yeah, like Gentleman Broncos takes the grossness to like a. <laughs> A peak. Yes. Yeah, I, I still haven't seen uh, Nacho Libre or Gentleman Broncos. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. I mm-hmm. really recommend Gentleman Broncos. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's get to that. Yeah. It's, it's, it is like pure Jared Hess. It's like insane that they let him make that movie. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But it's because Napoleon. Napoleon was such a huge hit. Give us more of that. But you're right about the grossness. Like another thing I was thinking about was just all the flies that are on everything in this movie. I know. Like, hear it in the in the ambient noise, it's like flies buzzing around. That's great too. Like I don't think flies get enough representation in movies. Yeah. It's, just, it's an annoying thing that has plagued humankind since time immemorial. There's just always flies around and they're annoying. Especially in rural areas. <laughs> yep. When you're gonna you have get food flies. outside just yeah. sitting there when you get Get your crappy sandwiches and your jar of egg yolks. <laughs> like a keg of egg yolk. <laughs> yeah, that's so like, like, it's like the cherry on top when he cracks one more and puts it in, stirs it up. He's <laughs> just like, dig, well, dig in. <laughs> I, I just like him fighting with Napoleon, fighting with the chicken as he's trying to get it into the cage. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, oh, I don't want to touch its butt, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs> just the face he makes when it starts like flapping violently. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> it's a very real moment for anyone who's ever held a chicken. Yeah, it's it's kind of disconcerting. The one thing I will say too about the as someone who was in the FFA for two years. Oh shit! No way! <laughs> you guys drop that bomb on us. <laughs> it's the one thing I thought when I watched the movie. Well, this isn't right. Like. <laughs> He seems to have a lot of free time because FFA makes a lot of demands on your time. Oh yeah, yeah what kind of so, thing? What kind of things did you do in FFA? Well, I mean, I was raising pigs and goats. Or no, I Sam raised a goat, Haywood Floyd. Um, <laughs> I raised a sheep and a pig. Yoshi was my sheep. Aww. 
yeah, it's just most days after school, you got to go down there and spend a lot of time. It doesn't seem like Napoleon and Pedro are spending that much time there. And <laughs> they never do weird things like have you taste milk and <laughs> tell you what's wrong with the milk. <laughs> but it, it doesn't matter. I, I was like, more than that, I was just overjoyed to see right. like some FFA representation and like yeah. how they're wearing the jackets. The jackets are perfect. They got it exactly right. It's a specific it's reality. A... It's like it's yeah, it's part of the the rhythm of living in rural Idaho. We got we got some FFA programs and I, I want to see more of that. <laughs> they're just they're just savants. Like that's why they do all that weird yeah. stuff at the FFA and why they never spend that much time on it. They're like they're ge- farming geniuses. Yeah, yeah, they're so it just comes naturally. There's a fifth nipple. <laughs> Eat the food. Come on, Tina, you fat lard. <laughs> Tina, get your ham. Is that one that's also on the statue, the Napoleon statue? Tina, you fat I lard, don't, eat the food? I don't think so. Oh, I yeah. wish it was. Yeah, that should be. <laughs> eat the food. It's uh, Jared Hess's mother's llama, apparently. It's, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, many, many of the things in this movie are autobiographical, apparently. The school bus thing with the cow getting shot, that was like a real thing that Jared has said. (laughs) And I I like your sleeves, they're real big. That's like something his brother said to somebody (laughs) at the dance fair. (laughs) The weird moment at the beginning when he (laughs) drags the action figure out of the bus window. (laughs) Also in Palooka, yeah. Yeah, that's something an elementary school could (laughs) think of, like... That yeah. and the matchbox cars. This is going to be cool. And yeah, and like, yeah, matchbox cars. And just, this feels like I'm doing something bad. Like the way he looks around. Like, <laughs> is anyone watching me? Like, I'm going to get in trouble for this, even though it's yeah. like totally harmless. Like, nobody yeah. cares. <laughs> I love how he dwarfs all the other children in the best. Like, yeah. He's like twice their height and like way over. Yeah, I know, I yeah. Know. yeah the fact that like everyone yeah. else doesn't seem any older than like a sixth grader is a perfect character <laughs> <I> detail. <know. laughs> like fucking Don is like looks like he's thirty five. I think Efren Ramirez actually was thirty one when he played this yeah. character. That's yeah. just crazy. Yeah. John Heater is twenty six, I believe, at the mm. time. Another detail I like is Kip bowling with bumpers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's what that's where they go to have their private business meeting too is the bowling alley yeah <laughs> yeah and then getting a spare with bumpers is like a yes <laughs> and hitting the bumpers five times it's like a <laughs> it's like a mini golf shot <laughs> kipland robert dynamite as his, yes, his full right. name is revealed at the, the mm-hmm. post credit scene yeah. This is like Boy Meets World, where you find out he's Cornelius in the very last Sorry, episode. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Don't say that. Not even Topanga knows that. <laughs> also, I didn't know ligers were real when I saw this movie. <laughs> they are a real thing. There's ligers and tigons. It depends on which is the male and which is the female parent. Oh, wow. Well, of course they are. They're bred for their skills in magic. <laughs> magic, yes. <laughs> Ligers are pretty crazy, though, if you've ever seen them. They're humongous. It's, they're the biggest cats in the world. But they don't have skills in magic, as far mm. as I know. Because we live in a broken world. That we do. I do appreciate the way that John Heater is able to sell two testicle injuries in this same in this one movie, <laughs> and it's still funny both times. The, the Time Machine one in particular just really cracks me up. <laughs> oh! 
Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, as he's like, oh, just got off. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> turn it on. Wait, I forgot the crystals. <laughs> <laughs> Have you tried it yet? No. And then, uh, and of course, at the very end, Uncle Rico, like he's just like, oh, this thing this doesn't work. And Uncle Rico is I like, I could have told you that. I could have told you that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, <laughs> we haven't even talked about it. Uh, but you want to bet I could throw a football over the mountains. That's <laughs> one of my favorite quotes of all time. Yep. Just, like, so surreal, almost, like, because it's ambiguous. Like, is he being serious? Like, <laughs> like, the way he sells it, like, you think, like, he honestly thinks he might be able to do this. <laughs> it's just this, you know, thousand-yard stare he has at that moment, like... <laughs> It's, Coach would have put me in the fourth quarter. <laughs> would have made state. Made state. No state. Doubt in my mind. <laughs> doubt in my mind. We living in a mansion. <laughs> hot tub in with in our soulmate. Hot tub with my soulmate. <laughs> uh, I also, oh, the, the two instances uh, where people or, or their vehicles are pelted with food. They're pelted with food as they are <laughs> yes, piloting a vehicle. This, this... Like, the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. When Napoleon throws the arm, that's because that's payback for Rico throwing the stake at Napoleon when he's riding the bike and hit him in the face. Going, oh! <laughs> that apparently too. That was real. Um, I think there was a few takes of it, but where like he actually hit him in the face. That actually happened, and I don't know if they actually meant for it to be in the face, right. but it was real and. He apparently like got a black eye from that. (laughs) And they say like in other scenes, if you look carefully, you can see that other scenes they filmed around there. He has a shiner, (laughs) a little bit of a shiner. Yeah. Which just adds to the character. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I do like after the orange hits Rico's van and he does that wonderful scream. Then they have that little standoff. Yeah, in the, in the yard. Yeah, <laughs> another great Wes Anderson composition where they're just like both sides of the frame. Yeah, and then there's something so real about that, like the way the way Uncle Rico positions himself as if preparing to have something thrown at yeah, him. Yeah, he's, he's making is... himself a narrow target. He like turns inside. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, when they tussle, we see this so rarely in movies, but the way like actual people physically fight, Very awkward. just so yeah. awkward and. The way, yeah, the way he's like, it's embarrassing looking. ready to yeah. dodge, and then he gets hit, and then, yeah, it's embarrassing. <laughs> Nobody comes out looking good. Like, Napoleon jumps over the fence <laughs> and like eats it as he's, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that that, yeah, that's so like kids getting in a fight, and then you just like run away. That's like that makes me laugh ten times more than like an an- trident appearing in Anchorman does. You know, like that kind of a <laughs> comedy fight scene. Like this is just. Too real and hilarious. Yeah, just fighting is nothing like you ever see in the movies. Yeah. This is like the most real fight between two men that I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> we don't need like twenty takes of Liam Neeson going over the fence. We just need one <laughs> steady one camera still camera capturing Napoleon jumping over the fence and falling. <laughs> falling down with no grace whatsoever. And again, just the composition of all the shots. I love the way they frame the shots. And like when they, for example, this last few, when Napoleon comes out to threaten Uncle Rico and it's like a under a shot from below 
like panning or looking up at Napoleon. It's very cool. And I can't help but laugh. It's so hilarious to me. Like, um, after Summer's presentation and <laughs> just this long wide shot of Pedro sadly shuffling to the stage uh, very slow yeah. to the podium. <laughs> And then his speech. It's just it's a, it's yeah. a masterpiece of comedy. It is. <laughs> As is the dance. Um, that's something mm-hmm. I remember from the commentary too about like John Heater talking about all his <laughs> inspirations his for the dance and how Sweet like he moves. <laughs> at one point, he's like, "There's a point where I look like a bird or a bat coming out of a hole." <laughs> <laughs> so I always look for that part when I see that scene. Yeah. I mean, these are the things everyone remembers about the movies. The movie, but it's... Because it's classic, but it's like... Mm -hmm. Because of that, it's like one of the parts I'm paying attention to the least. Because... But, yeah, it's fantastic. Dance is great. I love picking apart, like, all the different moves. Like, this is insane how... Like, they apparently filmed him dancing three times and, like, you know, just winging it each time. It's like it's stitched together. Obviously, like, what the... the From, from, like, three songs, too, apparently. (laughs) And he... Yeah, they just, like, they reviewed the tapes and he, like, picked his best moves or something, yeah. right? <laughs> and then, of course, the wild standing ovation he gets just lifts yeah. my heart every time. Mm-hmm. When the Deb, Deb stands up, just, yeah, just Deb being in love with Napoleon is so charming mm-hmm. that the slow smile creeping across her face when she sees the dance beginning. It's so wholesome. Yeah, it's lovely. It's wonderful. And then now uh, you Pedro's eyes are glistening as he comes out and sees the his fr- I don't know, his life affirming. Yeah, I love it. It's his beautiful. friend. His friend has got his back. <laughs> yes, exactly. They've got each other's backs. At all times. <laughs> You've got my back and everything, right? <laughs> what? <laughs> Never mind. That's see, that's the thing. It's that's the growth. It's like he's testing it yep. out at first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I'm gonna have to work for this. <laughs> oh, also, yeah, another kid thing is something you really want to do that you're embarrassed to do. So you just use the construction of asking, like, "Do you dare me to go talk to her?" <laughs> <laughs> like, instead, of, you know, being an adult and just saying, like, "Maybe I should go talk to her." What do you think? Do you dare me to go talk to her? And like. <laughs> Pages doesn't come from that culture. It's just like, sure. Yeah, go. Okay. <laughs> Pedro, yeah, Pedro obviously, you know, <laughs> thinks thinks he's got game. He's he shoots Pedro shoots <laughs> his shot, you know. I know. <laughs> he's got no qualms. When it doesn't when it doesn't work, he just takes his like, okay. Well, what about the other girl I asked something? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She said no. Well <laughs> she's like, okay, well I tried it, didn't work, whatever. Yep. I'm not gonna just roll with the punches. That's Presidente. <laughs> My hair was making me hot. I like how he's in the bath with his FFA medal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and as someone who uh, recently shaved his head, I was like excited to see uh, Pedro shaving his head. Oh, yeah. I, I just wish we had gotten one shot of him shaved. I mean, you, I mean, you see him taking it off, but not the, the complete package. That's the it's the the beauty of the mystery, you know. He doesn't want anyone yeah, to see exactly, it. exactly. That's the pulling dynamite leaves us wanting more. <laughs> he looks, and I'd rather have him looking like a medieval warrior in his way. Mm-hmm. Sweet. <laughs> no one looks like a medieval warrior. His peluca, peluca is Spanish for wig. Yes, not to be confused with peluca, 
the insult for a boxer. Right. <laughs> hey, ya palooka. Which was actually my high school pop punk band name. <laughs> Whoa. Hmm. Nice. Uh, I love listening to this podcast and hearing you guys still learn things about each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Like on the, the Boy Meets World episode. That was, uh, that was sweet. We had a good time, for sure. Yeah, it's fun parsing it out in different through different movies and, and TV shows. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's that's what this, that's what this journey is all about. That's what watching these movies and these shows is all about. You want to you want to find something that says it makes you think, "Oh, you felt that way too?" Like exactly. same thing happened to you? That's Napoleon. Uh, yeah, that's, that's exactly. I feel like Napoleon did that for a lot of us. Like, yes. Yeah. yeah that was a thing. You did talk like that. Mm-hmm. And so it will forever, forever, ever, ever have my heart. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. So what do you say? Do you think we can pitch a movie over the mountains? Because <laughs> it's time to throw out some pitches. Um, uh, there already was a sequel, the six-episode Napoleon Dynamite cartoon show. Oh, you going to bring that up, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I watched the first episode today. I, I have seen it all. I can't. Uh, it's hard to find now. Like, where where are you watching it? It's, it's on Hulu, actually. Oh, okay. I don't Hulu. All right. Mm. But, uh, yeah, that that was a thing. There is more Napoleon Dynamite yep. out there. Yeah. Um, I, I I don't hate it, but I, I'll I'll withhold my mm. judgments after, until I watch all of it. I know. I remember um, Brian, Brian, our friend, and you know, Ten Timers Club inaugural member. Uh, he he was really into that cartoon when it came out. He loved it. Brian Rudloff. Yeah. Oh, okay. We got something new to talk about because, um, <laughs> yeah, I it's uh, it was better than I was expecting. It's not great, but it was actually. Kind of good, semi good. I think it's conducive to a cartoon. It's like every character is like a caricature mm-hmm. and very animated and specific yeah. in their character. Like, and also works for a cheap budget cartoon because you don't have to animate a lot of like facial expressions. Yeah, <laughs> it can be like anime characters where they're just moving their mouth and nothing else. And speaking of uh, other Napoleon Dynamite content, there is also a PSP game that was released in 2007. <laughs> Are you shitting I, me? I am not. There's a Napoleon Dynamite video game? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm very upset they only discovered like a day or two ago. I would have tried to get it, I, even though I don't have a PSP. But now I kind of want to get one to play the Napoleon like, Dynamite. <laughs> what is, like, is it a platformer? What's the genre? It's apparently like mini games. Okay, it's a collection like or something. A collection of mini games. No, those okay. are micro games, Jack. Come on. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm still... <laughs> Made in Wario. Made in Wario. Japanese. Title. Ooh, Made in Wario. Are we rescuing yeah, him what... from a tower? Sorry, that was a bad joke. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I just got it. it. Took me a second. Can I go first with my pitch? Yes, I am excited to hear it. Because I, well, I feel like this is a hard movie to pitch a sequel for because it's not a very plot centric film so because it's all kind of all about the characters i'll I'll try to just explain wh- where the characters are 20 years later mm-hmm. so kip and lafonda had several children 
including high school age protagonist Flip Dynamite. <laughs> oh yeah, flipping sweet. <laughs> when Grandma Dynamite gets sick, Kip decides to move the family back to Idaho, where the kids deal with the culture shock of living in a podunk town. So Napoleon had a short-lived career as an artist, creating a superhero comic called Liger Man <laughs> that only had one issue before settling for a job as a farmer working for Pedro in Preston. He is still just as aloof as ever and secretly resents having to resort to the farm life, you know, because of his big imagination. Yeah, he should have been like a cyber ninja by now. Yeah, or something. so he's very like <laughs> cynical kind of and not not nostalgic. And so Flip kind of finds himself a kindred spirit. He's an outcast like Napoleon was. And he discovers Napoleon's old comic book and starts to idolize his uncle. Uh, though Napoleon is quick to like dismiss the comic as like, oh, that's just something stupid I I did when I was a kid. Not very good, blah, blah, blah. It's pretty much the worst comic ever made. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like he's embarrassed by his past self, but he's still the same person. Like he's still the same exact dreamer, just cynical, the cynical version. Uh, Uncle Rico finally married his soulmate, but is now secretly bored with the married life and nostalgic for the days of being <laughs> a single bachelor. Like in this first movie, <laughs> uh, he's just like, he's just like, Moved wherever, his nostalgia where, up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, wherever he is, 20 years in the past is the best. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as a single guy picking up suburban housewives, and <laughs> as it seems to be implied. Uh, Deb went on to be successful. Like, she and Napoleon never got together. She was in love with him, but he was, like, oblivious. <laughs> um, so he kind of ruined that. And she's away. But I feel like there's going to be, like, a high school reunion, 20-year high school reunion that brings... The high school character is back and you know we can see that like if napoleon ever gets over himself maybe they can be together that kind of thing who else pedro yeah as i said he runs a farm and he's just like a savant at it and maybe like is the president of he's you know, the jefe yeah the farmers union or something in the in the local area or something like that current um, farmers of america CFA. <laughs> yeah so those are those are our main characters at one point, I want Flip to get bitten. He gets bitten by one of the family llamas. <laughs> and one of his like older siblings, like trolling him, convinces him that it was radioactive or something. So he imagines himself getting superpowers. Um, the proportional speed and strength of a llama. <laughs> uh, so, and he goes by Llama Lad, and he like imagines himself as like Liger Man's sidekick. Nice. Uh, and we can have like fantasy sequences, like oh, awesome. gen gentleman Broncos style. Um, <laughs> but he like creates a costume and he like follows Napoleon around, and Napoleon's just like annoyed with him. <laughs> and he, and but I, I feel like it has to culminate in Napoleon like re-embracing his nostalgia. It's like mm -hmm. the opposite arc that Uncle Rico needs. It's like someone who needs to like kind of get in touch with their imaginative child self. Um, and he, I, I just imagine a scene where he actually dresses up like Liger Man and like plays along with with his nephew and S starts a nostalgia based podcast. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, a Napoleon <laughs> podcast in character sounds amazing. Lucky, <laughs> lucky. So that's my rough pitch. Where I just want some like the thing I like in in this movie 
the first movie is like the time travel suggestion or like the mythological <laughs> creatures, like just that that element of the the extraordinary, mm-hmm. but in in like a dumb like drawn by a child <laughs> way. <laughs> and I, I want to carry that forward with some sort of like element that's a little heightened. I like it. And it, it would be nice. either flip dynamite <laughs> or. Liger Man and Llama Lad. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. That's good. I'd love to see it. That's good. I always love when you bring the progeny of these characters into these pitches. Yeah. It feels like a camp specialty. Yeah. It's wonderful. Because <laughs> I want to bring everyone back, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Catch up with them after all this time. I totally agree. Because that's the, the, that basic foundation is there in my pitch too. It's like, yeah, I just want to see what these characters are up to 20 years from now. Like it's, it's just fun to hang out with these people. So for my pitch, we have Pedro who's a struggling dairy farmer. Deb owns a hair salon and is a freelance photographer, you know, weddings and events in the area. And Kip and LaFonda uh, are married, have moved to nearby Salt Lake city and they own multiple businesses in this region. And Napoleon becomes an art and phys ed teacher at his old high school um, where he's struggling to connect with the kids who like just don't understand much like his contemporaries did not understand him. <laughs> yeah. He's a tetherball coach. Exactly. Well, his, he, he does have like this kind of strange athleticism throughout the entire movie. He actually yes. is pretty agile and like it's the dancing, it's the tetherball. It's like, I could see him being a gym teacher. He's the only. He's like yeah. one of the only people doing stuff during their gym class, and like they're everyone else is just kind of standing around. Right. Yeah. There's 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 a few shots where you see it like hits you like, oh, this this is a full grown man. Yeah. He's a, he's, like can peer past the the you know the the perm and the glasses. It's like oh, he's a regular man. Man. Clearly not a child. Yeah. Yes. Especially when he's with those other teens who are working at the chicken coop. Yes. Those are definitely kids and he is not. Yep. So anyway, like this, the, the insight, the inciting incident of this whole film is that is Napoleon getting his first cell phone. And um, I should say, this is my pitch concept is kind of like being there meets social media. And I was specifically <laughs> thinking about things like the Snapchat of Nathan Apodaca, who was the, better known as the ocean spray guy who drank that oh, bottle yes, of ocean spray the, while skateboarding down the highway the, the, uh, with Fleetwood, Fleetwood Mac. Mac. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's oh, a great video. <laughs> so Napoleon gets his first cell phone from Kip and LaFond at one of their store, new stores in Preston. And, you know, we just see the vignettes like in the first movie and throughout them, like, you know, he's sort of trying to learn how to use it on Pedro's farm at these weddings that Deb is working. And, the first big thing that happens in the movie is in an apparent miracle, one of Pedro's dairy cows becomes pregnant without the aid of insemination. So he's trying to think of a way to like profit from this. And he asks his friends to help him out with this, his, uh, his new holy cow business and products. So I cared him. I conceived him. I can explain what has happened. <laughs> oh, before we end the podcast, yeah. just uh, mention Anakin again before we finish. Okay. <laughs> All right. I just will, we'll table that. I will make. Go on. I will make a note. I'm making a note. <laughs> okay. So meanwhile, Uncle Rico's rolling back into town with his new girlfriend, a Californian, and they're, what they're doing is kind of like a new get rich quick scheme. 
uh, getting city slickers um, to buy into real estate in Idaho because they they, they realize a lot of people want to you know leave that crowded metropolis and kind of buy a piece of what they think Idaho is going to be like. And about halfway then through this movie, uh, out of town journalists turn up looking for Mister Dynamite, and of course Rico thinks it's him, but it's it's becomes clear they're looking for napoleon whose phone recorded antics have made him a viral sensation outside of his community without his knowledge well, uh, that's a that, that's a fun thing too yeah to think about is uh is his full name rico dynamite like which which side of the family is <laughs> yeah. what happened to napoleon kipp's parents where are they <laughs> according to wikipedia he's rico dynamite but okay all right so a paternal lineman probably then uh so this complicates napoleon's life obviously this newfound f- fame and attention i just want to explore how, like how kind of like in a, almost in a meta way how like the world responded to just this very weird uh mannerisms sayings of napoleon dynamite he becomes a meme, a malleable icon, just like a blank slate for any and all cultural and political perspectives. Like people are going crazy with it. So like journalists keep coming to like talk to him and interview him and like think what he's saying is profound or like, they, you know, it's more grist for this Internet content mill. Um, but wh- as soon as he starts using this platform, like uh, to talk about Holy Cow and Pedro's Farm, that's when it all just blows up lots of controversy <laughs> and like this endearing persona or like this impenetrable kind of personality becomes a subject of ridicule and it's, it's Nessie all over again. So Napoleon's of course afraid that he's ruined Pedro's financial prospects and he decides he's going to cash in his remaining internet fame and host a charity live stream to raise money from viewers around the world. <laughs> it fails miserably. However, uh, the long telethon-esque event where we see even more kind of like slices of life from Idaho uh, inspires this local outpouring of support for Pedro, like Deb getting all the old classmates together, Kip and LaFonda working their business connections, and even Rico kind of like steering investors away from his lame real estate, like empty fields uh, into like a local artisanal business. <laughs> and he finds out that that'll make him even richer. So they're all watching Napoleon's back, basically. I, I just wanted like an inverse of the first movies. Like Napoleon learns that he's supported and he has people in his community that are there for him. Like this is where he belongs. Um, and the movie ends with Pedro just mulling his future and, and asking Napoleon what he's going to do, to which Napoleon says, I don't know. What do you? Probably nothing. <laughs> Whatever I feel like I want to do. Gosh. <laughs> And my, my working title for this is also the name of the telethon live stream in the movie, which is Vote for Pedro. <laughs> yes. Amazing. It's pretty much the best pitch ever made. <laughs> <laughs> like, anyone could even know that, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I have something that's freaking sweet. I want to hear it. It's actually, it's not nearly as fleshed out as your guys'. But, um, so Napoleon... And Uncle Rico and Kip, they all assumed the time machine didn't work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like where this is going. Uh, but it did work, just not in the way they thought it did. So, you know, life for them proceeded normally. But what happened is that, you know, it didn't take Napoleon Dynamite himself through time, but it took his, his mind 
was like scattered and implanted in the minds and bodies of people across history and in the future. So Napoleon's consciousness kind of imprinted itself on multiple people throughout time and space. <laughs> so they all, in a way, they became Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> so, you know, across disparate, you know, times and cultures and languages throughout history and the future, there are just, you know, thousands of different Napoleons, like variations of Napoleons. <laughs> and what happens is, you know, they, they live their lives... They've become Napoleon, and they've like their Napoleonness is you know adapted. It's the same. It's the basic template, but they're a, you know they have to adapt to their time and place and culture, etc. But eventually, you know, their temporal mechanics they begin to be pulled back to you know the nexus point, which is Preston, Idaho, in two thousand four. <laughs> well, let's let's give it a few years and say I don't know some. 2010-ish or something. So what happens is all these quasi-Napoleons throughout history... Hey, let's even... Uh, let's say one of them is Napoleon Bonaparte. Yes. Perfect. That so, could be where his uh, name uh, comes from. Like, Yeah, <laughs> yeah temporal <laughs> mechanics, you know. There's, there's no beginning, no end. So get a little Bill and Ted energy in there. Have Napoleon come back, too. But he's Napoleon... He's like the French version of napoleon dynamite so <laughs> and it's whatever John that e playing all these roles <laughs> yeah whatever that equivalent is in like uh you know 17th century france he'd be that weird socially awkward french yeah. version of that whatever that would be in that time <laughs> they all start like just popping up converging in preston idaho and like the late the late aughts you know so it's kind of like rick and morty like the citadel of ricks you just have like a thousand Slightly different versions of Napoleon. You know, there's like a 17th century Japanese Napoleon. You know, there's like a Mexican Napoleon, etc. But they're all Napoleon, but like filtered through their respective times and places. And so this becomes like the convergence point. And I don't really know what happens from there. My idea is it's kind of like the actual movie where nothing really happens. It's just yeah. like seeing like, what happens when all these Napoleons are together. And I guess this could also be happening to Rico too. So we get a bunch of uncle Rico's cause he also used the time machine. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I'd love to see the fully realized like football star Rico. Yeah. Hot tub with his soulmate. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, there's like superhero Rico who can throw a football yeah. over the mountains. <laughs> there's this fat husband Rico. <laughs> yes. It was like five kids. <laughs> There's just oh. Roger Linus too. He just shows yeah. up. <laughs> I feel like we need we need Kips and we just it would it'd be the whole cast in all these different situations, all these different multiverse yeah. versions. Yeah, I mean we could just say Kip used it like off screen too. That's something yeah. that's also so we could get a bunch of Kips too. Kip Kip <laughs> could be like the architect figure, like in the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, and that line where he's like, I've looked into it myself before already <laughs> yeah he's like, been he's yeah. been doing it the longest i guess it leads you inexorably to here <laughs> ergo <laughs> <Be sloppy. laughs> i guess and uh, <laughs> i don't know maybe not um, <laughs> do have to be at a chat room at four <laughs> um 
So I don't really know what happens from there. It's just the, the main event is just seeing all these Napoleons interacting with each other and maybe them all becoming the best versions of themselves is what solves the problem. But anyways, that's the plot isn't really the main concern, just like the original movie. And I call this the Napoleonic Wars Temporal Dynamite. <laughs> that's awesome. I love I love temporal mechanics. <laughs> that that sounds like a book in some kind of like alternate history sci-fi series. I love it. I watch a lot of time travel things, guys. You don't say. That could be a that could be a TV show. Every episode is is a different Napoleon. It, it might be a better TV show. Yeah, like an anthology show. Animated baby. Like hell yeah, you just overlay the Napoleon template onto just any random time or place in history, and you kind of. Learn about that time through the lens of Napoleon. <laughs> through the lens of the outsider, of the yeah, the awkward teen. Exactly. There you have it. I adore it. I love it. Superb. Superb pitches, gentlemen. So Sweet. Hollywood, yes. yeah. Hollywood, if you want to uh, contact us by using one of these sweet ideas, then just give us millions of dollars in big old mansions where we can soak it up in a hot tub with our soulmates. <laughs> All right, guys, one more question I got to ask you, which is what we ask in almost every one of our episodes uh, for Napoleon Dynamite. What were we watching? What were we watching? Just just kick it off. I'll say I was watching... Just a hilarious bone dry comedy classic that gives me so many weird feels, because um, yeah. it's just Ugh. about misfits supporting one another. Um, it's about digging into the yearnings and the dreams of everyday people, and mm-hmm. it's about just like having the courage to be yourself defiantly. <laughs> <laughs> but the world is going to have to deal with how comfortable you are in your own skin, and. Uh, <laughs> I I like pointing to this movie as in terms of like how geek culture has exploded and everyone can call themselves a geek now. It's like this is what a real geek looks like. Yes. Yeah. And this is what a real like independent film looks like. There this is such a unique fresh perspective that wasn't seen before and really hasn't been seen since. This is probably the most profitable movie ever made. <laughs> like when you budget to box office ratio is probably crazy on this film. From what it's, I understand, it's probably up there, yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. Well said. Um, what I was watching was the perfect time capsule of that mid two thousands shift into the culture of hipster irony, but with a secret sincerity at its core, and one of the funniest scripts ever written. <laughs> all true. It's, nice. it's all true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> it's pretty true, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. Uh yeah, I was watching a kind of grab bag of every like maligned subculture and aesthetic running from like the late seventies to the early aughts, probably. So yeah, it's in two thousand four, but it kind of is a grab bag of everything from all these eras. It's a nexus point. A nexus point, <laughs> exactly. And yeah, I was watching kind of like a connection to speech styles and just attitudes that you have as a kid that um, I feel like have not 
ever been captured as successfully as they are in this movie. So it's kind of like very ephemera that it's not easy to record or hasn't been recorded that much. So whenever I watch it, it brings me back to that mindset a little bit. And more than anything, this reminds me of being a kid, even though these characters are much older than we were when we were acting like this. <laughs> so in that way, it's it's kind of special, and that's why I connected with it when I saw it, and why I still do, still do to this day. Yeah, I'd probably put this on at least once every year, every two years, maybe. When I'm feeling down, it's always a pick-me-up, and it, yeah, it just makes me feel really happy and hopeful in a way that a lot of other I don't know. It's rare. Not a lot of movies make me feel this way. And this, like, more than any other movie, this is the movie that is, makes feel like, okay, yeah, be yourself. It's okay to be you. Just, uh, keep improving on that. Make yourself incrementally a better version of you. But yeah, just be you. More than any, like, you know, CGI kids movie where the message is like, be yourself. This is the one where that actually hits and it feels real to me. Like, Yeah, you can be, you can have friends and be loved and everything will be okay. Yeah, just be yourself and it, it'll be, it'll be okay. Just work on being a better version of that. It can be a very slow process, but that's fine. <laughs> you can have almost glacially slow. Yeah. <laughs> you can have friends and be loved if, if you just be yourself, but keep working on yourself is the tagline of what were we watching? I feel. Hell yeah. Especially the glacially slow pace. Yes. <laughs> I love that, Jack. It's true. When don't when you need a friend, don't look to a stranger. Look to Napoleon Dynamite. It will always be there. <laughs> It'll always be there. When I'm in doubt, when I'm in danger, it's, it's always there for me. Just listen to your heart. And that's what Napoleon what I does. Do. But what we're going to do right now is listen to an email. We got to open up the mailbag, baby. Oh. Oh, yeah. We do have a response to our Boy Meets World uh, episode. Did you did you did you uh, listen to and or watch Boy Meets World, Jack? I watched every episode you talked about, and I listened to the podcast. You never let us down. Yeah, I even watched all the the WrestleMania <laughs> stuff. Oh, was I was. Fantastic. Oh, I wanted to ask you about that <laughs> offcast, but I'm glad we got that on the record too. <laughs> I, I was thinking of not doing it, but I did it, and I'm so glad that I did. Nice. <laughs> All right, so this email comes to us from my sister, Amy Ambler. And the subject line is... Sister. Yes, sister. <laughs> Thoughts of sister. Because she wrote an email with the subject line, Fine, fine. Oh. <laughs> I just want to say, too, just watching those six episodes, like in the same way that Chingy captured my imagination, because <laughs> it's fun to say, like for two days I just couldn't stop saying to myself, Mr. Feeney, Feeney, and then Topanga, Topanga. Those were just so fun for me to say. Oh, man. The Feeney call is for you, then. You got to... I know. Feeney. I love that. that was my favorite part. Feeney! Mr. Feeney. Mr. Feeney. Feeney. Mr. Feeney! <laughs> so, um, Amy says, hello, Eric and Cam. Hello, Amy. Hello. What a wonderful podcast on one of my absolute favorites, Boy Meets World. A brilliant discussion on the show's appeal and a spot-on exploration sh- exploration of the relationship and explorationship between Corey and Sean. Kudos for snagging Manny as a guest. I really enjoyed his insights, and I am fascinated by the idea of his pitch. 
So true that the impact of growing up in the seemingly idyllic 90s, at least for us white middle-class folk, followed by the politically and economically turbulent aughts, has not really been explored in TV media. Hmm. But back to the show at hand. Ah, the hallowed days at John Adams High and Pemberton, or Pemberbrook College. I don't remember which one it is, Cam, if it's Pemberton or Pemberton. I don't either. <laughs> so I'll take your word for it, Amy. She says, I agreed with much of your thoughts uh, regarding Corey and Sean, earnestness of the plot, acting, local appeal, characters, etc. I, too, was somewhat dismayed at the dolt Eric turned into. That's Eric in the show, not me. Uh, though, I, of course not. <laughs> though I no doubt laughed at his antics. And there is no better fictional teacher than Mr. Feeney, for sure. Because you've covered the main two character, main two male characters so well, I would like to contribute to the discussion by focusing on Topanga. Although she did not stick to the wackiest representations of her personality for the show's run, she was still a strong and independent female character that I, as a young, romantic, nerdy, non-popular kid, could relate to and feel somewhat inspired by. Topanga was proud of being intelligent and a good student. She had both confidence and insecurities. She stood up for what she believed in. She found friendship and love by being true to herself, which was a great message for a teenager trying to navigate the perils of high school, what with crushes, first loves, and the endless questioning of one's status among shifting popularity rules. As a somewhat sappy romantic, I was all about that Corey and Topanga relationship. Yes, Amy, I, I remember. It is true. From the sweet beginnings to that horrifying ski trip, damn you, Lauren, to the wedding, I was on board for it all. It may have given me some false hope that I was destined to be with my high school friend that I pined for, entirely unreciprocated, but such is life. Indeed. I also love the dynamics of Corey, Sean, and Topanga as a unit. The show did an excellent job of illuminating how tricky it is as a teenager to balance a love relationship and a friendship. There were growing pains, to be sure, but in the end, Sean and Topanga appreciated each other for what they brought to Corey's life and accepted the role that each of them played. I could go on and on about Boy Meets World, but I will leave you with two final thoughts. I would be remiss not to mention how thrilled I was at the appearance of Matthew Lawrence on the show. As noted in a previous podcast, I was and am a big Matthew Lawrence fan. That's right. The superhuman samurai cyber squad was another favorite in our household. Yes. <laughs> And lastly, this may have been the only show my brother and I watched that featured characters that we both shared names with. Not many Eric's and Amy's on television, so this show was just destined to appeal to us. Again, great job on the episode. Aww. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Amy. Aww. Thank you, sis. Thank you, Amy. Thank you. That was a wonderful email. I love hearing about your love for the shipping on the show. It was a big one. And uh, just for Topanga in general, thank you for giving just giving Topanga her flowers. She is a really cool character, and we didn't talk about her mm -hmm. as much since we were focusing a little more on the the friendship. Yeah, I think the Amy and the Amy she's talking about, I think, is his, Corey's mom, is named Amy. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I was trying to remember. So both in the same family, Amy and Eric. But man, <laughs> Eric, what a lame Eric. <laughs> so friends if you want to hear your thoughts or if you want to share your thoughts and want to hear them read on our podcast uh can be like amy and send us an email what were we watching at gmail.com your favorite napoleon dynamite quotes perhaps and cam will read them in his kip voice <laughs> oh i want to hear them read and uh 
I was doing a fun thing at work where I was doing like Darth Vader quotes in the Emperor voice and like Emperor quotes in the Darth Vader voice. <laughs> okay. So it's like it would be fun to hear, you know, Kip quotes in a Napoleon voice and vice versa. I don't know, build her a cake or something. <laughs> <laughs> or just any film yeah. character. My yeah. CPU yeah. is a learning com- neural net, a learning computer. I have detailed files. Everything is for proceeding as I've foreseen it. <laughs> well, since you, you're bringing him up, I need to remind you about Anakin. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's right. So that's just a fun thing in my life, too, is that um, I love quoting Star Wars even more than I love quoting Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> and the prequels, like my Anakin impression, just pretty quickly merged with Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> so Because I feel like Hayden... They're not dissimilar in the way they deliver lines often. So when I quote Anakin, like at work, which I do all the time because I have a Star Wars quoting co-worker, um, it's pretty much just a Napoleon voice. <laughs> like, what about all the other Jedi spread across the galaxy? And uh, <laughs> Only my new powers can do that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I would certainly like to. Gosh. <laughs> So, well, someone should make bring that up someone powerful <laughs> I will be able to stop people from dying <laughs> he's holding me back <laughs> gosh so, just wanted to bring that up because like in my mind they Anakin and Obi- or, uh, Napoleon occupy a similar space sandstorms are and very that- dangerous <laughs> <laughs> So, just thought you should. <laughs> I'll never, I'll never unsee it or unhear it. Oh, what a gift you've given us, Jack! <laughs> Would you care to also give the listeners a gift by telling them where they can hear you on other podcasts? Oh, other, so many other podcasts. Yeah. Uh, so I mentioned reopen the wormhole already. That's um, with the what is the the over ten club Sam Stovall, who he's gonna he's gonna. Freaking flip his shit when he hears this episode. <laughs> I don't know if he knows about it, but uh, he will when I start asking him about raising goats. Hey, what boy, baby? Um, me and him and uh, another guest of the show, Kevin Young, did a. Well, we finished Deep Space Nine, but we're still doing the podcast, and we're exploring. Uh, all the Ferengi episodes of other Star Trek mm-hmm. shows. But, uh, it's a Deep Space Nine podcast called Reopening the Wormhole. That's where it all began for us. I'm very proud of it. As you should be. It's probably the best Deep Space Nine podcast ever made. <laughs> <laughs> Eric pops up there for actual Deep Space Nine That's episodes right. and Cam is on for fun things like the holiday special and Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> Which we do for some reason. Why not? And I also miss a Jack's silly little friendly neighborhood Star Trek Discovery Short Treks Picard and Lower Decks podcast. That's where I cover every star, every post 2017 Star Trek production, of which there are many <laughs> now. And they keep coming. Right now we're in the middle of doing Lower Decks, which is great. I enjoy Lower Decks a lot. Cam was on for an episode last nice. season. I hope he will be this season. I'd love to have Eric on there too. Let's do it. I will. I will watch my first episode of Lower Decks 
happily if if it was for your podcast. I would love that. You've got eight weeks. <laughs> got to catch up. And we are. I also do a Planet of the Apes podcast, the Apecast.libson.com. My friend Jeff. Uh, Cam has also been on that. I would love to have Eric on that too. Uh, we talk about all things Planet of the Apes. Doing a lot of comics lately. Because we did all the... Well, we haven't done the new movies yet, but we've done all the old movies. And we do bonus episodes about wacky movies with apes. <laughs> one of these days we'll do Dunstan Checks In. I think my... What do you my, want? My touchstone. Stake your, stake your claim, Eric. <laughs> Either uh, Rocket Man or Ed. Ed was the movie with Matt LeBlanc with the baseball playing well, orangutan or chimp. Okay, what what Rocket Man? I'll pencil you that pencil you down for that. But uh, Ed is already in the works. That's coming. Oh soon. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, if I'd known. Well, hey, if you, if you're available tomorrow well, and you want to pop <laughs> off. <so. laughs> no, I I would say Rocket Man is the more the one I'm way more familiar with. Okay, well, I'll, I'll put you down for Rocket Man. But yeah, it's a, it's a silly podcast where we talk about playing the apes and dumb ape movies. And I've also uh, dipped my toes into the minute-by-minutes movies phenomenon where people talk about movies one minute at a time. Uh, unfortunately, it's not Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> does that exist? God, I don't know. I don't think it does. So, shit. That's uh, something to yeah. think about. But I am doing Akira Minute right now. That's a lot of fun. By the time you hear this, Cam's week Ooh. may be coming out pretty soon. Ooh. That was a fun time. Nice. Eric will be on the show as well. So what were you watching, fans? You're not going to want to miss it. Buckle up. And if you ever do an episode of what were you watching about Akira, you've got your guy right here. <laughs> no doubt. So, akiraminute.com, jacksdiscovery.lipson.com, reopeningthewormhole.com. Check them out. You're a busy man, Jack. <laughs> I am. <laughs> and if you have time, listeners, after checking all those awesome podcasts out, uh, you should go to our website, whatwerewatching.com, or our Bandcamp page, listen to some of our older episodes, including ones that also that feature Mr. Jack Stovall, like Batman the Animated Series and Jurassic Park, and a couple of the Star Wars ones. You're on the last jedi panel i'm not on you're the last i'm on the last yeah. Jedi panel yeah and fifth element but, my yep. first mm-hmm. guest appearance on a podcast oh, ever shit. happy to have that distinction and uh you know social media i i was i was so nervous oh my god <laughs> <laughs> now look at you you're the podcast king you're the mayor of castville probably the best podcaster ever made <laughs> How many variations can I do on that? <laughs> <laughs> so bodger. And uh, yeah, like I said, drop us a line, interact with us. Uh, we got Facebook, Instagram, Twitter to search for what we're watching or what we're watching at gmail.com like Amy did. And we'll read your email. Want to hear from you. Want to hear about Napoleon and your memories. Well, I guess, uh, guess that about does it. Yeah, it's pretty good, I mm-hmm. guess. <laughs> Thanks again, Jack, for joining us. It is a true pleasure as always. 
I don't understand a word you just said. <laughs> <laughs> well, then thank you, listeners, for for tuning in to what were we watching? So I got Cam, I got Jack, Lucky, and until next time. Peace out. <laughs>